All right. Sorry. Tell me when. Are you going to uh, introduce me? Yeah. I'll start with that. <laughs> we're, we're ready. <laughs> and producing, as always, is Mr. Matt Lubick. Uh, how the show starts. I thought we were going to start. <laughs> we're starting you the whole thing. You said not to do the intro yeah, again. We're not no, cutting I s- anything. We're starting, you we're weren't starting listening. from scratch. Tabula Ross, dude. You weren't so listening. So do the intro I again. said do okay, the intro I was again. in the bathroom. No. When you came back and you asked me right now, I said no, do the intro. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 yeah, he, he, he. All right. Okay. <clears throat> Three, two, one. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the All-Star Comics Podcast, powered by Horizon Comics. I'm your host tonight, Blake Starling. Joining me on the panel tonight is... Andre Devari. There we go. Johnny Morales. Right? Roger Bang. And producing, as always, is Mr. Matt Lubit. Hey, you remembered me this time. Aw. Because he... <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Let's get right into it. I want to hear some news from Mr. Johnny. Been a while. The, the sultry um, voice of Johnny. Yes, my so no, what? No. <laughs> uh, DC pulls Heroes in Crisis number seven cover at Tom King's request. Uh, apparently, it showed like uh, Poison Ivy dead and gross. Like, written in her own blood was like a f- the Flash symbol. Uh, Whoa. Yeah. So Whoa. <laughs> yeah, she she wrote it. Ooh, that got you know dark. warning people. Um, Tom King didn't like the cover, so DC's pulling it. Apparently, it was leaked. Okay, they're just redoing the cover. The issue still coming out. Yes. I got scared when you told me at first. Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, DC cancels Border Town in wake of abuse allegations against series writer. Uh, Border Town is a uh, Vertigo series. Um, The writer, Eric Esquivel, uh, has been accused of uh, abusive and harassing behavior uh, to this toy designer named Cynthia Nogle. Okay. And uh, it's really bad stuff. Uh, Honestly, you know. Don't support that guy. Good. And the issues are now fully returnable if you still have some. Good. Um, yeah. yeah. Marvel is relaunching Miss Marvel with a new uh, series called The Magnificent Miss Marvel uh, from Saladin Ahmed. They're going for a uh, nice alliteration right there. Yes. And artist Minkyu Jung. Okay. Uh, and that will, uh, let's see. Ooh. I thought I had a date. I guess I don't have a date. Sorry about that. Yeah, sorry, it is March 2019. Okay. That's when it's coming out um, at more, after more than 50 issues with uh, G. Willow Wilson, who crea- co-created the character back in 2013. Are you bummed that it's going to be a new creative team? Um, I'm bummed that G. Willow Wilson is leaving, but I'm very excited for Saladin Ahmed. He writes amazing stuff. Is it her just passing on the torch? Or uh, she has too many projects, or why? I mean, she's writing Wonder Woman. Oh, okay. Uh, well, she's going to write Wonder Woman, and she's like moving on to you know different things. After fifty issues, like you she's know, she's going only, to a different. Camp. Yeah, there's only so much she's she going could to do. DC. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. And <laughs> Kevin Smith to write Hit Girl miniseries. Oh, I, I knew guess. about that. Yeah. yeah, for people that want that. Um, Not a big Kevin Smith fan. He's fine. Okay. Clerks is good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Marvel has announced an all-new five-issue limited series titled Domino Hotshots, which is an all-female team. Uh, and honestly, that's all you need to know about the news. Really. <laughs> Who's writing it? What's that? Who's oh. writing it? You kind of just teeter. You're like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Um, this one's fine. Um, but let's see. The seri- series is going to be written by Gail Simone. Ooh. I, I have no idea why I omitted that. <laughs> Sorry. And the artist is David Baldion. Okay. Yeah. 
Gail, I love Gail Simone, man. Yeah. Uh, so this is kind of like a continuation of like her Domino series. I don't know if yeah. Domino's ending. I don't think it. You know, Domino's uh, mm-hmm. written by Gail Simone. Right. So she's writing this miniseries as well. Yeah. I mean, and when that debuted, I, I think you guys reviewed it and said I, it was really good. It's great. Yeah. yeah, it was really good. Yeah, in in real life, Gail Simone looks like a soccer mom, and she can write some pretty dark stories. Like I she, love Gail Simone. I love almost everything she writes. She's yeah. really good. Yeah. Have you read her Secret Six? Uh, I have not. That's on my list. Check it out. Yeah. Um. All right, and that's it for the news. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's roll into some <laughs> reviews. I know Andre is very excited to review his book tonight. Yeah. Um. So the last time I did the podcast, uh, we were reviewing. It was still the old format where it was uh, one indie, one uh, DC, one Marvel. And so right. the indie book back then was The Magic Order, issue number one. And I was so blown away by that book. I told Roger, like, I came back and I was like, put me on the, just put me on the pole. Just put me on. And so Roger was like, all right, you're, you're on there. And I bought the, uh, the issue that he let me take home. I just bought it from him. I was like, yeah, I'll take it. So this past week, issue number five came out. It's a six-issue series. Um, and it is continues to deliver there's a huge plot twist that i didn't even see coming at all and i'm really? not gonna reveal yeah i'm not gonna reveal it on the podcast at all Please don't no, yeah, no, i don't want to be spoiled on that one yeah. really okay i haven't yeah. read it yet oh yeah. because I'm matt gonna, doesn't want to be spoiled yeah, you yeah. Can't spoil it he's like well i don't behind but i don't i mean i know the podcast is like a spoiler cast or whatever but i'm personally not gonna say anything about it it's if you've been following the series and you're still on it i mean keep going i'm excited for the the netflix issue pretty much what happens Nothing specific, nothing like spoilery, but pretty much what happens is that the siblings all gather together to make one final assault against the opposite order that they are uh, that have been fighting against, and so there are just some like twists. I mean, like like I I think if anybody's ever seen like The Dark Knight Rises, and there's that moment where Batman realizes that he's been sleeping with Rachel Gould's daughter the whole time, and he just that that, that gasp on his face, like. <gasps> <laughs> like that look on his face that's what i look like i look like christian bale just sleeping with my <laughs> my my enemy's daughter like and i didn't know the whole time and i'm broke because the Wayne manor has like no electricity and all like all that happened to me when i turned the page on like one of the final pages of this issue so i highly recommend you check it out and then um <laughs> the other series i, I uh, concluded this week was uh, sleepwalker and if anybody's been reading comics from like late 80s early 90s sleepwalker was a a character where um the main character he it's almost like another version of um captain marvel like the one where uh rick jones was uh him and he would like clack the nether bands together and then he would kind of swap bodies like he would kind of exit this plane of existence and then captain marvel would be his place so it wasn't like he was the character uh sleepwalker is uh a character who actually exists in the sleep realm and so the person that he resides with has to fall asleep and then sleepwalker comes out and then he fights crime while the the main dude um, i think his name's rick uh rick is asleep and so they decided i guess to reintroduce the character into the series based off of the uh infinity wars and the infinity warps series where they've been hybriding characters together and so they pull back a bunch of characters from that particular era of comics like the 88 89 90 you know, Dark Hawk uh, was one of them as well. So that's another one where if you've been reading it back then and then you wonder what happened to the character, then that's what happened. It, it's in a series that came out and it just wrapped up. So, I mean, the trade might come out or you might be able to pick up the books here. Okay. I don't think that uh, that they sold out completely. I don't, I don't know. I didn't take, take a look in the walls. I, I have a question for that character. Sure. What happens, like, how long can he stay in Sleepwalker form? 
Uh, it's generally sp- until the host. Uh, I forget the. I think I forget his last name. I know Rick is his first name. Right. Rick is his, I forget he's Rick's last name, but he's the he's host. He's like the Billy Batson, where like yeah. Billy Batson turns into Shazam. Yeah, it, okay. it's as long as he's asleep. There's there's been. I remember reading issues back when I was a kid where. Um, Sleepwalker is like, you know how like they have cliffhanger, uh, cliffhanger endings in comics and stuff? And so yeah. Sleepwalker is like about to deliver the finishing blow, and then you see him sort of fading away because the host is waking up. <laughs> so he doesn't actually do it, and so he has to wait until another point in time. Or there's other dilemmas they might have, like the host is being captured, and he's trying to figure out a way of going to sleep. In the um, this particular miniseries, he does kind of like go over all the different variations that he had to do. Like people, he's talking people into knocking him out just so that they like so hey he just hit gets, me over the head so he's right. probably had multiple concussions over the horse so of his life if he gets sleep apnea he's screwed yeah. or if you know he insomnia. has insomnia yeah if he's like if he's like edward norton in fight club yeah yeah but well, then tyler like but tyler durden yeah but tyler durden's kind of like i guess the sleepwalker right, 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 right in that one but i like the idea of like playing with that like how like you know like he gets captured and then he's trying to fall asleep and his kidnappers are like did he just go to sleep yeah. and then like you turn around and like he's sleepwalker and yeah, you're yeah. like oh god yeah the sleepwalker yeah, is, is out and about. saves him and everything you know and i don't know if like <laughs> If it to played in comedic ways, I guess you know, like he could start waking up and then you know, Sleepwalker starts singing him a lullaby, try to like lull him <laughs> back. Dude, I gotta check out this series. They have to, they have to, yeah. If they were to turn this into a Marvel film and that actually made it successful, I hands down, Marvel is the king of of taking because this is a C-list character. Okay. And they actually make jokes about it at the beginning, like you know, about C-list characters, and they name off a few of them right. that, that are um, that Marvel has put out. But he's not in that Magic Order. This is like a side. Yeah, thing, this right? is just a second book that came okay. out this week. So okay, for yeah. sure. Magic Order. That's yeah. I can't divulge too much. Right. On that. What, what would you rate Magic Order though? Even that's though you a, can't reveal. If it's just going one to five, I mean, like eight, nine, ten, ten out of five. Oh, okay. So it's definitely five. a game changer. Whatever happens in that issue. Yeah, like the. Okay. It, Mark Mark Miller says that uh, it took him about three and a half months to write the six issue series, and like he said, it was eight nine hour days of like just typing it, typing it out, hashing it out, yeah. and everything just for six issues. So um, me and Matt were talking earlier about how guys like Bendis will like try to pump out seven eight books a month, Jeff and it's Jeff yeah. yeah yeah, and it's like how you could tell the different quality of work when you have somebody who's focusing on one book. And that's all their time is dedicated to for a, a specific period of time right. versus somebody who is just like getting that paycheck, I guess, you know, just right, pumping right, it right. out or whatever. Yeah. And so um, the Sleepwalker one, that's more of like a campy, you know, throwback to, to the 90s type of book. So if anybody from that era wants to read something that's like that, go for that. But who's, if any, who's writing it now? Sleepwalker. Sleepwalker. I don't have to reach. I okay. have to go and get it. <laughs> but it's definitely a top tier recommendation from you? Uh, for For... For people who are in their thirties, who've been reading comics since they were like <laughs> eight, 30s, nine okay. years old, yeah, and yeah, you read yeah. those type of books. For somebody who is brand new to comics and stuff, I no, I wouldn't because it, it, it covers like a lot of history of, of what the character has done. Okay. Magic Order. That's the anybody who has a remote interest in comics. Anybody who liked Harry Potter but decided, they, they, but grown up and they want the Harry Potter on steroids. This is what Magic Order is. I mean, it's just it's just okay. balls to the wall type of go for it type of uh, book when it comes to magic and mythics and stuff like that. So, all right, top well, prices. so five for Magic Order and then top recommendation for Sleepwalker. Yeah, high recommendation for Sleepwalker. If I had to give it a scale from one to ten, I mean, as a story, I would probably give it more like a seven. But okay. when it comes to nostalgia, that kind of puts me up to like a <laughs> okay. a higher thing. Like, okay, you know, it's kind of like a the movie Ready Player One. 
Okay. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, loved yeah. the movie. I okay. loved it. Like to me, the movie was like a nine, nine and a half. But if I wasn't a fan of all that stuff, and okay, I, as a storyline pl- pl- point, it's like a seven story. It's okay. like a seven, seven point five. All right. All yeah, right. I love that to movie too. Ready Player One. Ready yeah, one? yeah, that was so good. Yeah, it's just like you just see so many things that happen, and it's just like, oh my gosh, this and this and this and this, and and, and I know that's what's pulling me in. I know that's that's what it is. I felt the same way about a uh, Speed Racer. The, the live action one. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I that like one. Speed Racer. It's definitely a kids' film. <laughs> right, right, right. And I wouldn't recommend it to anybody that wasn't into like racing or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it, for all the stuff that I liked like, growing up, anime and things like that, yeah, it, it totally delivered for me. But I wouldn't just recommend it to like just any. Don't recommend person. it to Johnny, is what you're saying. Yeah, he probably would hate it. All right. He probably. He probably. Johnny, that means you're next. Does it? Because I'm making fun of you. You're next. Is this you making a decision? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, this is me. All right. Sick Sick would you like to go next? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay, I'll be well, nice. Would you like I to go next? Sick. Okay. Burn. This, this week, sir? Uh, I read quite a bit. Uh, okay. I was trying to find a book to talk about this week. Okay. Um, and um, there's a couple that, you know, stood out to me, but the one that really, like, uh, captured my attention was Miles Morales' uh, Spider-Man, number one. Okay. Uh, but. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yes, Matt, Matt, it came out this week. Enter the Spider-Verse, by the way, is supposed to be amazing. It is. It is. It is. Yeah, Yeah, don't say anything. I'm seeing it Saturday. So, Miles Morales. uh, So, about about that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Number one uh, by Saladin Ahmed. Okay. uh, Which, uh, you know, he's taking over Miss Marvel. Right. And uh, Javier Garron. Okay. And the art is amazing. Let me just start off with that. Okay. Uh, He... Uh, Javier just knows how to, you know, dress teens. Like he, okay, like not know, like some old yeah. people. Like they dress teens. Like oh, a teen would never wear that. You know, like a, a young adult would never wear such a thing. Right. You know, but like this art is is very uh, modern. Uh, it's very it suits the book. Um, Saladina Med uh, brings something to Miles Morales that I uh, felt like I I feel like Saladin um, knows. Uh, the core of Miles Morales, the character, okay. and then there's this one uh, page where uh, so Miles Morales is writing in his journal uh, for uh, one of his uh, classes. Uh, you know, some classes, especially like theater classes or poetry classes, require you to have a journal and things like that. Um, this journal is probably going to come back to haunt him because he's writing about like him being Spider-Man. Uh, it's not going to be collected or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But um, there's this line that he writes in uh, a couple of lines that he writes in his journal that just made me like love this book. Uh, it's with great power. There must also come great responsibility. It's something the first Spider-Man used to say to me. Well, I don't know if I have great power. I'm not Captain Marvel or Thor. But I use what I have to be responsible for as much as I can. Some days, that's enough. And right. just like th- these couple of words just made me think that, man, this guy understands like uh, Spider-Man. You know, Miles Morales, Spider-Man to right. be specific. Like you, Not Peter Parker. Right. You do mm-hmm. what you can. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, Miles, Mor- Miles Morales is that type of hero. Right. Um, so, like yeah. That. That's a great sentiment. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and the story is just kind of like uh, it's a new number one, obviously. So it's a perfect jumping on point. They rehash a couple of the of the things. They give you like two or three pages of like what's been going on. Like you know, he his parents know who he is, and they're very proud of him. It's very wholesome and sweet. Um, but obviously, there needs to be a villain. Right. Um, and it turns out it's uh, like mind controlled. Um, 
illegal immigrant kids okay. uh, be, because I, I guess what, where they're going is these kids are going to be forgotten or they're not going to be, you know, paid much attention to. So nobody's going to say anything if they okay. go missing. Right, right, right. Um, and Saladin uh, Ahmed is like uh, hitting on something uh, very topical right now. Okay. Um, but he does it in a way that that's like very well done. Okay. Um, that honestly, like it, it tugs at all my heartstrings the way that he writes these characters. I, I feel like he understands them. Right. Um, and I mean, I mean, the story. I don't know where it's going, but honestly, I'm I'm all in. I okay. I want to read. I want to keep reading this story. So where Bendis left off, he picked it up, yeah. rehashed what was going on, but and honestly, then kind of gets you into it. You don't need to read any of Bendis' stuff to enjoy this because, like right. I said, the first few pages, like he uh, says, like, oh, hey, because uh, he's writing in his journal, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah, he's like, yeah. well, I was bitten by a spider as a 13-year-old. Like, honestly, it's it's like half, a quarter of a page that he's going through, like, his uh, origin story. Okay. And he lays it all uh, out for us, for new readers, in the first two or three pages that you don't need any... Uh, knowledge of Miles Morales. Okay, it, so, it's it's well done. So you can okay. completely avoid the Bendis train. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> you can completely avoid the Bendis train. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. uh, there was some really good stuff with <laughs> Bendis's work, but yeah. um, uh, honestly, like it was time for a new writer, and I think this guy is the perfect fit. Cool. Because, uh, and it's very rare in this wow. day and age with uh, superheroes that there's a superhero who still has both of his parents. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know I mean? And I mean, I mean, they're. Yeah. They, oh. they they know his oh okay they know his identity um, right so they're like very worried but also they're like extremely proud of him and and you know supportive and I love that I love that it's not um, like this uh, stereotypical like oh you can't keep going out and getting yourself hurt like they're like yeah we're we're worried about you and you know we want to see that you're okay yeah but we're very proud of you that you saved so many lives like countless times Matt was saying that they they retcon that but who was it that died was his mom uh, it was or the dad? mom back in Venom Wars I think it was called Venom she War- got killed in Venom Wars yeah who uh, killed her was it Bendis. Uh, yeah, back oh, in like 2015. Bendis wrote like all of it. <laughs> so okay. That's the only one they could. They so they're like, well, now that that guy's gone, and they just yeah. like retconned. Well, okay. I think they retconned everything when they brought him back into the uh, into the 616 universe because okay. that was back in the Ultimate Universe. Oh, and okay. like honestly, it was unnecessary because his uh, father and his mother being there as a support group is just perfect. Okay. Yeah, it, it gives it a different layer uh, than with Peter Parker, you know, having lost his right. uncle Ben and things like that. It. it Honestly, it's a a little bit happier but more stressed out Spider-Man because okay. he's still in high school. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. He's not getting sleep. But it's really well done. Um, I love it. it. It feels like Spider-Man but also completely, you know, different. I'm not psychic, but I'm going to guess you're going to give it a five. Yeah. Okay. I would. All right. That's a five-star rating from Mr. Johnny Morales. I would. Honestly, I would give it a shot. Okay. I might check it out. Mr. Roger, what did you read this week? All right, so this week, um, I hadn't intended on doing this book initially, but uh, Nathan Armitrout sent me a text today after he read it, and he was like, dude, have you read this yet? And so I was like, uh, no, I'm going to do it right now. And nice. after reading it, I really wanted to continue talking about it because I think, um, I know we did issue one. I think I did issue two as well. Yeah. Um, but this is Murder Falcon, number three, uh, art and story by Daniel Warren Johnson, letters by Mike Spicer. And in this issue, uh, as expected, the band gets back together. Um, 
Jake and Johan uh, show up. There's a uh, – I can't remember what they call them here. It's not kaijus, but there's a name for their monsters. Um, and it's attacking uh, this city and this tenement building uh, where their drummer lives. And so Jake and uh, Murder Falcon show up uh, to save her. Um, and then she goes with them. Um, there's some nice character development in this with uh, you get some more backstory on why the band split up in the first place. Um, what happened? There's, you know, a little drama between Jake and uh, Jimmy, who is a girl, uh, J-I-M-I, um, who was their drummer. Um, but I, I really liked it when uh, um, Jake and Murder Falcon show up to Jimmy and she's like, Jake, what are you doing here? And Murder Falcon's like rescuing you with distortion. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then they go out uh, – there, there's this huge kaiju. It's a titular monster, right? Meaning that it could nurse a whole lot of monsters, <laughs> um, chasing them, you know, through the streets. I chose my words carefully. Um, but uh, they get to this point where you know this wiped like out bridge, van. and the monsters attacking them. So they get into the back of the van to bequeath this new drum set on on jimmy the the drummer um and it has powers and it it does and there is a a familiar associated with this one too which is which is really cool but what was this was another really cool scene in, in the story where um jake is getting ready to play he's like all right let's do this and murder falcon stops him and he's like Sometimes the drummer just needs a solo. <laughs> and so, and, and the, the drum set has jetpacks, so, which right. is awesome. But um, so Jimmy is basically, you know, tearing up on the drums and she brings in uh, her familiar. I don't, I don't remember what they call them either, but um, which is basically a Leviathan <laughs> from the deep. Right, right, right. Um, Very metal. And and then they they overcome uh the monster that was that was chasing him. Um and at the end uh there's you get you know a small preview of um something that is controlling these beings and he's about to drop another one on their heads. We don't know what it is. I have to stay tuned for next issue. Um, um, this this was a delightful issue. Um, the pacing was fantastic. Um, I, I like you know I'm not a, I'm not a metalhead. You guys know I've said that on on each of these reviews, but I really appreciate how uh, how nicely they pay homage to metal right. in this book. I mean it's it's. You know, they really don't beat you over the head with it. It's just like, it's perfect. Yeah. Um, I think it's perfectly executed. I actually think that Daniel Warren Johnson is infusing uh, through his character development some actual story here that, you know, it really makes you care about the characters. Um, you know that there's, now that the band's back together and, and they've got awesome shredding power, uh, something, <laughs> you know, 
Right. Um, something's going to come of this. Something's going to challenge them. You know, I think that the band is going to be tested whether or not it stays together, whether or not they're going to be able, you know, to um, to stop all of this. I don't right. know. I'm really curious. It's it's the comic is so well written. It's appropriate. Uh, I I actually look forward to the next issues, and I would I would give it a four and a half. The only the only reason I give it a four and a half is because of the lettering by Mike Spicer. Sorry, Mike, <laughs> but the lettering is so tiny, and my eyes are so old <laughs> for you guys. No jokes. This would not. He's you complaining know. about the lettering. <laughs> I know, it's right? It's warranted. He's old and he can barely see <laughs> yeah. it. But the the lettering is so tiny. Know. That's a genuine. And I have to. Right there. I have to read it like at the right distance from my eyeballs <laughs> in the right. yeah. in inappropriate lighting you know <laughs> so um so outside of that i mean it's it's a perfect issue um but i yeah i i really like what he's doing here and it's, and the characters are it's, just it's also kind of like a spot on a, like a chicken scratch type of font right that makes it a little bit yeah, more difficult it's, yeah, yeah it's super tiny yeah and it's not i, I you know i'm if this is if this is a uniform font if somebody went through and made that alphabet um, they had Parkinson's, or, they, or even if they don't, because it's yeah, it is like a chick. It's like you know, but they made it so that you know the the font is so tiny that even when uh, you know somebody could be saying "What's up" on an entire you know full page splash, and right. it would be in this tiny little bubble, you know, like is. The font is all, almost always so, the same size. So what's oh, yeah, bigger? I see what you're saying. What's bigger, the font in that, or the font when Nick Fury told Thor that Gore was right? Yeah, it's in pretty res- close <laughs> to that. In the original scene. Very good pull. Very good pull from this week's graphic novel. Um, is there metal puns throughout this the story like that? There, because I love them. There are several. Okay, I, lo- I, I love mean the that. most obvious. There, there are probably some that went over my head just because right. I, you know. And the enemy you were describing towards the end, is he literally going to be like a corporate overlord? Is that what they're kind of alluding to? Like I don't know. I mean, out? some, some you know, alien monster type person right. was pressing a button to drop some heavy. I mean, that's cool if it on, is. On the city. Yeah, it's fine. Well, and the button is an eyeball. Yeah. Which is, which is awesome. Um, but it's, yeah, I'm, I'm super... Uh, curious to see this play out and continue. I actually, I really love the book. It's really good. Uh, recently, I was watching an interview with Donny Cates, and he re- he repped this book. I, and I, I think he knows the writer too. But he was saying they asked him like what he had been reading, and Murder Falcon was one of the things. He's like, dude, check it out. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it's just it's a lot of fun, and yeah. there's actually some heartwarming elements that go yeah. in with that. Um, so you find out that. Uh, Jimmy's dad is dying. Um, That's rough. And that she, you know, she's basically taking care of him. And that was, yeah. there, was there was, that that contributed to some of the comedic plot elements because they're like running from this kaiju and she's like pushing him in this wheelchair trying to, oh, you know. Wow. And so it's just like. Right, you know, right, right. Um, but it's, it's, it's super good. That yeah, and you said you don't have to be a metalhead to be into this. That's what's cool. Uh, no, there's there's story there. I, yeah, there's there's enough story development, character development, everything that it doesn't matter. I think you 
you probably get more out of it if you appreciate music in general and then even more if if you're you know in the metal right so it's super good so four and a half stars yep all righty well this week uh i kind of had a tough decision whether i wanted to do the batman who laughs which i enjoyed matt you'll probably enjoy it because jock is on art but i ultimately decided to do black hammer Was that a thing Huh? Did I did we establish that I like Jacques? Well, he did one <laughs> of your favorite Batman stories with Snyder, so But I also know. Francesco Francavilla okay. was on that. Yeah, Maybe he true. likes him. I'll take okay. it. I'll take it. My bad for giving Matt a shout out. My bad. My mistake. <laughs> Anyways, I chose Black Hammer Cthulhuis, written by Jeff Lemire. Lemire, Lemire, Lemire. I do this every time. Lemire, Lemire. And the art, I believe, is by Emi or Amai Lennox. How would you say that, Roger? Emi, Emmy, Emmy Lennox. Okay. I mean, the art was cool. This story is set in the Black Hammer universe, which Jeff Lemire has been doing wonderfully. I love that he's fully fleshing out this world that he's created, which is kind of like an amalgamation of like DC and Marvel heroes that he's kind of meshed into his own, you know? Um, didn't we, we've reviewed Black Hammer on the, on the show before, right? Yep. Yeah. I, I, I just, I can't get enough of this series. So when I found out he was just doing kind of this side uh, one-shot story, I had to check it out. Um, is it cool if I'm spoilerific on, on this one, Matt? Is it cool if I do spoilers on this one? Black Hammer, Cthulhuis. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I'm not reading that. <laughs> Spoil away. <laughs> essentially what they what they allude to is that she's the granddaughter of Cthulhu. You know what I mean? She has these Cthulhu. dreams. Uh, Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Am I saying it? L-O-U. Cthulhu. How was I saying it? Cthulhu. Okay. Okay, Johnny. <laughs> um, apparently he's an English teacher. Okay. So uh, her grandfather... Uh, is alluded to be the monster that we've known as Cthulhu. <laughs> Potato. Potato. Tomato. Yeah. Tomato. Tomato. Because it's a pun. Tomato. Like Lou. Okay, but. Anyway, whatever. Okay. okay. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Um, no, it's not. Uh, so what I thought was adorable about the art is that she's like this humanoid little girl, but with the head of Cthulhu, essentially. She literally has her pigtail tentacles, and then she has four eyes, but she has like a regular mouth, but then she has tentacles underneath it, almost like a tentacle beard. You know what I mean? I, I like the way that um, they uh, portrayed her. And she's you know ostracized, obviously, because of the way that she looks. And, you know, she's having this, she doesn't belong, and, you know, kids at school are being typical kids and making fun of her. So uh, she ends up going to the sewers and meeting her grandfather finally and saying uh, if he will turn her nor- uh, turn her into essentially a human, is what she's alluding to, that she'll do whatever he wants. And so that happens to be murdering a lot of school children. So it's, re- yeah, pretty dark. It's pretty dark. Here we go. Um, but I'm going to spoil this, so if you guys do end up reading the issue, stop listening here. But towards the end of it, he grants her the wish, and she's sent into a world where she Your looks like everybody. What? <laughs> oh, my God. Did I do this when you were reviewing your book? I'm very sorry, Blake. You're right. Thank you. And she is transported uh, to a world where everybody looks like her. And at that point, that's when I was like, this is straight out of like a Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> when they're in the Twilight Zone episode like mm-hmm. that, Roger. And I just, I, I dig it, man. Even if this is just a regular one shot, it had nothing to do with any of the Black Hammer characters. I think they're referenced like once. 
um, during like a school session when they're talking about history and stuff like that. Um, I, I dig it, man. I, I like that he's he's just doing whatever he wants in his own universe now. So um, I'm, I'm going to give it a five. Nice. Awesome. I'm going to give it a five. So, so awesome. this is a one shot. Yeah, I believe so. Because, okay. I mean, there's no numbering on it, is, it or yeah. anything. It is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's rad that he created, like, this whole expansive universe. Right. And it's not – he's not just focusing on the main characters that he's established. He's like, oh, I'll do side characters here. Because mm-hmm. I think he has one other series, and it's like – I think it's like Dr. Uh, Quantum Age. Quantum Age. There we go. Yeah, that's, that's going on, and that's about – um, another character that I think they encountered or something like that. Is Age of Doom still going on? Is that, that's what for it was uh, Black Hammer. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think it's in its like seventh or eighth issue okay, or something rad. like that. Which that's still great. That dude's so. writing a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's the uh, art on this? Uh, it is Emmy Len- Am I Lennox. I'm okay. Say Am I. I don't think Am I Lennox. Yeah. Um, but moving along, we were gonna do uh, trivia. But right now, you had some questions, right? Yeah, I have questions. Okay. How many questions do you have? Is it uh, four. Okay. We'll do four. Yeah, they're, they're pretty quick. We'll do four. Cool, 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 cool. It'll give time for First that one to stump is uh, from YGTT, YGTP. That's What's up, dude? Dave Ramirez. Oh, okay. Hello. Who did it better? Justice League movie or Avengers? <laughs> oh, that's what kind of... That's okay. All right. <laughs> Moving along. That's the next question. question. That's a goofy next question. <laughs> we all know what the answer is. Yeah. 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 Who did it better? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next one from YGTT, YGTP. I'm seeing a pattern. Is okay. there any new number ones or recent releases that have blown you away? Ooh. Roger, you want to go first? No, I'm thinking... You could have uh, said Murder Falcon. That's not uh, one. That surprised me. Okay. Didn't blow me away. Um, it it surprised me, and it was really good. I mean, it was really good. Uh, the Sp- the Spider Man story from um, the one that you were surprised too, but the one about uh, it's it's by Marvel oh, and um, um, IDW, the yeah. Marvel Action Spider Man. Yeah. Um, same boat. Uh, you know that. That was so good. That okay. really surprised me. Okay. Um, and Did, and it's really good, but still not, not yeah, not quite keep blew thinking, me away. Level. There's yeah. some comics that have surprised me. You know, like Miles Morales. Yeah. Um, Did he give a time frame though? Like how recent? You can say like recent. And I'm like recent, like like last couple weeks. New, I mean, no. Like you do, you dude. The, <sighs> the one thing that okay. I was gonna say is like, um, Rainbow Bright. I okay. was I was mm. going to just like read it like. <laughs> these guys won't read it. It'll be fun, you know. It's right, like right, right, a little right. kids comic, but honestly, like it was filled with so much joy and and love in like every page that I'm like, man, this thing's great. Right. Uh, and uh, I gave the news to Matt. I think it was last week that it's ending, unfortunately, and I was oh. extremely bummed about it. Okay. We need to. Matt, Matt's out of the room right now, but when he comes back, we need to throw this question to him because he was telling me there was a book that he read. I don't think it was the number one though. Okay. But he was reading a book and he couldn't stop thinking about it all day. Like yeah. he came into the shop, you know, eight hours after he read it, and he was like, "Dude, have you read this?" And he couldn't stop talking about it, couldn't stop thinking about it, and that to me is kind of. If if a book does that to you, yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty yeah. special. So yeah. we'll hit, we'll hit him up for that when he comes D- back. Dave it's, says uh, number ones or recent releases. So you know, I mean, because they already put out the first trade, but um, Venom number one by Donny Cates. That man, one was I pretty r- rad. Really enjoyed it, man. I re- and then reading the whole the first arc, 
great, man. So sorry if that's too old, Mr. David, but uh, I hope it's okay. Yeah, like uh, for me, I, every once in a while I try to like try out a new book, I try out a new series, and I mean, I think the most recent ones that I I tried jumping on because it's usually like one shots or mini series and stuff like that yeah. is, is something more along the lines of um. Uh, with the Infinity Wars going on, and then they have the Infinity Warps, which is when they are blending two characters into one, so they gave them all kind of like two-parter. Like Iron Man and okay. Thor kind of got combined, so they're called the Iron Hammer. Uh, Doctor Strange and Captain America got combined, so the, he's called the Soldier Supreme. Right. So those type of things, I'm like, okay, I, I really dig it. <laughs> Sounds like a taco. Yeah. Uh, and then they also brought back the What If books, and like you were talking Ooh. about earlier, like what it, the What If books is like, Marvel and Twilight Zone combined because it's kind of like, okay, what if this didn't happen? What if Peter Parker went this way and Flash Thompson became Spider-Man instead? Welcome to the Twilight. It's kind of like that type okay. of aspect. Yeah. But then, you know, I ended up reading the books and then I'm just like, all right, it was, it was, it was okay. Like the, the cover's great, you <laughs> yeah. know, and I, and, I, and I like the idea behind it, but the books are like standard fare, you know, like if, if, not amazing, not blown away, but good. I mean, I'm right. I, honestly, I know I'd mentioned magic, um, uh, the magic order. I mean, yeah. I know that's been five months ago when issue one came out. That's right. recent, but yeah, I mean, this one, the one that came out this week, is recent. But that that when you when you read something and then you're like, okay, put me on the whole series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you read yeah. one, it's like no, I'm just, I put me on the whole series, just yeah. the whole series. Yeah. That's that's that to me is like okay that's 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 when you know I, I felt the same way about um way back when I did the first one with the the comics with, with the podcast uh, Vision oh. was when mm. um, when Roger handed me the list of books and I saw the week for Vision and you chose that Johnny yeah but I saw the Vision I was like that's the week I want to do I want to do that one and they had like Blackest Night and a bunch of other good ones that they were doing but I was like no nah, Vision because Vision was I I got the first issue and then I was like put me on the whole entire series rather like yeah. the whole thing and then it made me like okay now i'm gonna follow tom king did Everything. you read mr miracle uh, i have all of mr miracle i haven't finished it okay i haven't finished it and i kind of walked out i think when you guys were talking about it, i was like nah, nah, nah. Uh, <laughs> okay. i don't want any spoilers sense. yeah it was one of those type of things where it's like uh you know and i haven't i'm, I'm collecting heroes in crisis so anything that king puts out it's like all right king is king king is king. but magic order most recent is that when it comes to comics if we're going to get into something other than the comics okay yeah. spider-man into the spider-verse did i mean fantastic you like the first issue of fantastic four yeah, the first issue is good but that that didn't blow me away yeah. i was okay. the last book that i can legitimately say uh blew me away was black money murders number one wow yeah that's, not that's old <laughs> school. i know i know but that's but a like, long yeah. time ago because we haven't behind seen an that. issue in a long time oh yeah, yeah. I think but Roger, like, I remember because when you first brought it to me, because he told me about that one. Yeah. And he was like, we were doing a podcast, and I think I mentioned, I'm not forgetting the name of the, the, the writer. Jonathan Hickman. Hickman. <laughs> I know I did Secret Wars here, you know, but yeah, Hickman, what's that name kind of my mouth? And you were like Black Monday Murders. That was the first thing. And I'm like, well, I think yeah, I have yeah. to jump on this book then because. And part of, part of what goes into that is he really thinks out of the box when he's storytelling. He employs different uh, meth methodologies to to get his point across whether it's you know redacted police reports or family trees and so, some some of the sometimes the stuff just goes over my head like I don't I don't know what this means I hope I find out but um, I that was that was the last book that I can think of that really and and yeah I mean it has been a while and I'm 
really jonesing for another <laughs> another story arc. Yeah. But um, that that book for me did it. I think it's it's like very hard when you use like the language of like which comic blew you away because it's you know that's a high high bar when you read like when you've been reading comics for a long time and a lot of comics it's a high bar right because it's like like you're taking the elite like it's like when somebody makes it into the NBA and then they're playing against the absolute best in the planet yeah and then of those people then you have the Magic Johnsons and the Larry Bird like the elite of the elite you know. That's what blown away is, and it's like those don't come out every week. It doesn't. Yeah. It just doesn't. I mean, you know, or we don't have the time to be able to yeah. read all the books just and to find the one that does it. You know, there's so many great books that can go in. Like, you want to talk about great books? You know, great first issues. You know, strong starts. There's a, there's a, no end of those. Rick so, and Morty versus Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yes, uh, that's a perfect example. Yeah. Um, Doomsday Clock number one and uh, Mr. Miracle by um, Tom King. Tom King. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah. The King and I. Yep. All right. Next question. Scarecrow. Oh, wait. Hold on. Just a sec. Matt, you were at the answer. What's the question? You came into the shop the other day and asked me if I had read this particular comic yeah. because you couldn't stop thinking about it. Yeah. Which one was that? Donny Cates, Doctor Strange, last Doctor issue. Strange. Oh, yeah, you just uh, mentioned that. To like me. number nineteen. Yeah, you you were telling me you told me about that one earlier. Right? I just Spread told it. you both about it. Yeah. Um it was I think three ninety is the new numbering. Oh okay. It was okay. the last issue of the Donny Cates Doctor Strange run. Wow. Spider Man was in it. It was fantastic. So he went out on it. Wait, great I think I did read this. It was one of the best issues I've ever read of anything. Yeah, I think I did what? read this. It was really good, dude. Yeah. You need to read it. It's a very short <laughs> run with Gabriel H. Walta, but yeah. it's killer. Like, that last issue has Spider Man, and I want Donny Cates to read, write Spider Man just because of that half issue he was in. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Even more than Nick Spencer? Because Nick Spencer oh. is a writing oh god. Do we have to go See there? how it's probably <laughs> the same with a straight face? Yeah. Spider Man's really good, though. Yeah. What the Doctor current? Strange? Yes. Yeah. I've heard. I haven't really read through it just because I still have PTSD from uh, you know Captain America being Hydra. Hold my hand, Andre. <laughs> I'm gonna start convulsing. Right. Next question. It, let's get through this. All um, right, let's go. Who has the best secret lair or man she cave in comics? This is from Nick Fridge Mover, Nick Cantrell. <laughs> you say man she cave? That's what he, he said. Lair slash man slash she cave. So okay. who who has the best lair? Yeah. So the Green Lantern Corps because it's a is, planet. No, yeah. that's that's a that's a it, base. It is, yeah, it, so a lair. No, it means like lair. Lair. Does a lair have to be public or secret? Is there I any would, stipulation? I would say secret if it's, it's a secret. lair. Okay. I mean, like 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 how uh, the Hall of Justice is like where the Justice League resides, but really is the, the, the Watchtower. Yeah. Is like really where they operate from. Yeah. You or know, like Mount Mount Justice was. No, I think everyone found out about. No, Mount Justice was hidden, and then people S- found out semantics, about it. Semantics, please is just it, pick a is layer. The question, <laughs> the coolest. Is that <laughs> what the question? Was the best layer. <laughs> best. I, I will say I will say one thing for naming. I, I remember reading this. And I think it was like Injustice or something about you know they have the Arrow Cave. Yeah. yeah. And Harley Quinn goes, "Why don't you just call it the Quiver?" And I'm like, <laughs> and he, and he literally goes, "That's really good, actually." Like, yeah. <laughs> and I, I was hoping that they would eventually change it to the Quiver. Yeah. yeah. Um. I don't know, Roger. It, you know. Well, obviously, everybody's first thought is going to be Batman. It's the Batman. Yeah. Cave, I mean, it's yeah. the most iconic. I'm yeah. not sure it's the best. I, I think you know, Batman is like it's the, probably the, the best for the retracting. Uh, yeah. for for getting respiratory infections, <laughs> yeah. but I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Hank Pym's Infinite Mansion. Oh, wait, what is this? In Are the you mic- talking about in the microverse? Head? 
No. Oh, in the microverse, on the microverse. The, he created this is a story from I don't know mid mid to late two thousands, and there was he created an uh, infinite mansion, and every door led to a different dimension, and there was no end. That's to, cool. but it was in the quantum verse, right? Because that, that's where that's where his his base oh. was for. That's pretty cool, and that, that's old school, old school, right? Like way no. back in the day. No, two thousands. No, I'm pretty sure it was created in the, in the mid two thousands when they did that. Do you remember who, like, who wrote it? Who created it? No, you okay. know, dude, is like that, that's a really Bendis cool idea. Or something, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I remember he had a secret lab in his helmet, and then Scott Lang found out about it, and he's like, "How come you never told me?" And he's like, "Cause it's my helmet." <laughs> <laughs> so that that's a good one. I don't know. What, what do you think, Andre? Um. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I mean, Batman would be, like, the Batman's kind of almost like, the when I say base, I mean, like, bottom level. Like, that's where you want to start off with, because that's like the quintessential, like, when it comes to layers. Right, right, right. Uh, I mean, I'd probably toss it between uh, um, T'Challa's Wakanda or Aquaman's Atlantis. Okay. Like, the whole place is theirs. Well, Jonathan would say Fortress of Solitude, so we got that you know, answer out of the way. I said that. Uh, Wait, you said Fortress? Yeah, yes, Johnny oh, said it. So Johnny Jonathan and Johnny, and Johnny and said all, Fortress all the of Solitude. Fortress is, like, rad as hell. Like, you know, open, like, where is it? Some, like, polar stuff? It, well, it's, uh, it's, under, it's underwater now, thanks to Bendis. Or it's, <laughs> it's in the ocean now. Oh, sorry, I'm going to. Um, the Sanctum Sam Torum is pretty cool. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. You know? Definitely. Magic. Yep. That's Very pretty dope. cool. Cool, cool, cool. That's a good one. Yeah. You guys, oh, I think God. I have to it go was, with you on that. The yeah. Sanctum Sanctum Sanctum. One, it's got a cool name. Yeah. Two, it's literally like a house just on a street, but yeah. then you go it's into it. Baker and, Street, right? Right. And uh, you I think it has like illusions to fight off attackers right. and yeah. stuff like that. And there's magic stuff and doorways. Yeah. Yeah, like cool. if I had oh, to go Bleaker, into one. Yeah, Bleaker Street. Bleaker Street, yeah. Bleaker, Bleaker Street. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The, um, the Hank Pym's Infinite Mansion was created post-Secret Invasion to be the headquarters for his Mighty Avengers team. Who, create, who created it? Who created I haven't it? gotten there yet. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, you want to move on to the next question? Yeah. The last question comes in from Simply Smitty. Okay. Bryce Thanks, Smith. Thanks, Bryce. Oh, okay. Uh, and this question is uh, for Roger, probably. Um, hey, where dude. Where does he have to throw his money to get his hands on the Horizon Comics 24-hour comic project? Oh. Whoa. Dude. Okay. Man. Uh we're still working on that. We're about six pages from being done. Both artists that uh, were principal in laying down the art for the pages um, have gotten very busy. I've been assured that there are like four more pages coming, which should should put us at only about four left. Um, They're both working industry artists. So. I'm yeah. <laughs> And, and they didn't skimp on the art for this. I have not forgotten about it. Um, I also don't want to, I need to be as understanding as I can with them. I don't want to be uh, badgering in any way, but at the <laughs> same time, I want this to be done. So um, I do plan on talking them to this week. Uh, I, I will curry whatever favors I can. <laughs> Um, but I, it's, it's still a thing. I haven't forgotten about it. Um, keep an eye on our social media. Uh, it, it, it will be a thing. 2019. Yes. Of course. All right. 
that was definitely yeah, that's a all the for questions Roger. that we have. Thank you, Bryce. Thank you, Nick Kentra, and thank you, Dave. We never answered the Justice League and Avengers one. What do you mean that one? Because we know what the answer uh, is. Come on. What was the question? Avengers. Which, which movie just, was better? Avengers. Justice oh. League or Avengers? That was that was the question. Yeah. 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 Although the Infinity Wars yeah. Endgame trailer was well, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was whelming. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We're sad. Everyone's gone. All right. Moving on. Do you have any uh, questions from the listeners or no? No. Okay, I have trivia. but you do have trivia. Yeah. Okay. Are we doing Ready. trivia? Yeah, we're doing uh, trivia. I have four questions. Ooh. Should we knock them all out? We're Do knocking it. them. Okay. So for the first one, thanks, Bryce. Thank you, Bryce. Shout out to Bryce, our best we're fan. Gonna, I'm going to read the Bryce, question. Bryce. If you know the answer, raise your hand. All right. So during the Guardians of the Galaxy run in 2013, thank you, Brian Michael Bendis, Rocket <laughs> attempted to coin himself an action hero catchphrase. What was the catchphrase? Oh, that sucks. <laughs> was it A... Quote, go ahead, make my week. Give me your eye. Was it B, blam, murdered you? Was it C, heads up while he shot them? Or was it D, roll that beautiful bean footage? <laughs> uh, okay. Who knows okay. I'm a sucker for D. I think I know it. You think, I think you're I going with D? I, no, no. Oh, no. No. <laughs> no. That's just <laughs> my favorite okay. catchphrase. What okay. was the first one? The first one was, quote, go ahead, make my week. I, uh, I would okay. say B. I you're personally going think B. Blam murdered you. What are you going B. with? B. B. Blam murdered Blake. A. A. Go ahead. Make my week. Roger. B. B. The answer is B. Good job, guys. Wow. <laughs> Blam murdered you. Thanks, Bryce, for that Rock, question. Rocket's not too creative. That just kind of sounds like <laughs> straight to the point. Yeah. Yep. I read Blam that. Blam murdered it was, you. It was I, funny. I, he, I, think, I think I read that one, too. He also came up with like the new curse word, like, Flark or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, it, it kind of reminds me of a uh, you know the restaurant Fuddruckers. Something like it that. Just, yeah. It just sounds like profanity when I'm like, like, come on. <laughs> All right, this is another good one. Thank you, David Revis. I will probably talk to you shortly. Big D. Uh, during the Dark Reign story arc, Branding Shield was disabled and renamed to what? Was it A. Sword, B. Armor, C. Hammer, or C. D. Strike. C. C, 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 C. C, C, Roger. Oh, I'm sorry. One more time. <laughs> I'm going to go with C. During Just the C, Dark Roger. Rain story arc, <laughs> Branding Shield was disbanded and renamed what? Sword, Armor, Hammer, hammer. or Strike? It was... Hammer. Good job, Sorry. guys. Yeah, that was an easy one. Yay. Thanks, David, for sending that question I just went along in. with what he said. I'm like, he looks... Yeah, Johnny was the only the one that didn't the know that The division of the space. shield and space, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Hammer was what um, Osborne did. Yeah. Yep. That was after Justin Hammer. Anyway, so James Mason, thank you for sending in a trivia question. So James asks, which of the following was not a story arc from Batman Volume 1? A, Rambling Ivy. B, Chasing Clay. C, Frozen Assets, or D, Penguin Dreams? Oh, wait, I don't even have the answer wait, marked wait, on that wait. one. Is he talking about from the TV series? We're going to skip that one because I don't have the answer marked. Great. Okay. Fine. <laughs> we'll just assume we all got it right. I would say Rambling Ivy. Was, it was not a story arc from Batman Volume 1. It wasn't from Volume 1? Because I'm like, Volume 1, like the Scott Snyder Volume 1, like the Court of Owls? I don't, like, it, that's all the question says. <laughs> so, and I don't have the answer the, the, marked. The TV series. There's so many Volume 1s. Of Batman. So that was a good question, but I don't yeah, have yeah. it marked. And um, 
I don't have the context of what volume one it was. Yeah. Rambling so, Ivy seems like the least possible. Probably, yeah. yeah for a volume one. I, w- I would yeah. say that's probably the one. All right, and the last one I have, thank you, Frank C., for writing in with your question. Candelero. He is asking you guys, who is the wealthiest superhero? Is it A, <laughs> I hear your crumbs? Bruce Wayne, <laughs> B, Lex Luthor, C, Danny Rand, or D, Tony Stark? Wait, 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 say it again. Oh, Who is the wealthiest superhero? Bruce Wayne, Lex Luthor, Danny Rand, or Tony Stark? Lex okay, well, Luthor. well, Luthor's not a superhero. But In if the he was, of the question. but if he was, it'd probably be Lex Luthor. I'm Lex gonna go Luthor. with Lex Luthor. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Danny. Danny Rand. No, Danny Rand's not that. Like, it, it's like a toss-up between Luthor and Stark, because I, I remember that Black Panther's supposed to be like five times richer than Stark. Oh yeah, Black Panther and, 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 is the richest. And I know that Wayne and Luther, their their money was about like off by like thirty billion. I think, I think in the context of T'Challa or Tony Stark, T'Challa owns more property, but not necessarily okay. money. According to Frank, the answer is Tony Stark. Tony Stark. Mm. Okay. What? Because I think like I think Luther was clocked at ninety billion. Yeah. Stark was clocked at a hundred billion. Yeah. Um, For Wayne, assets owned, yeah, yeah. Wayne was clocked at sixty billion. Wayne's like. The least, but yeah, and then I think Danny Rand is like, like that's more a lot like of thirty. Money. I, I remember reading like thirty billion because of T'Challa's like obviously vibranium reserves yeah. and everything like that. He he's the richest comic character in like every right. comic verse. But that's Whoa, the, the, the country owns. That. I don't think I don't think he's richer than Aquaman. Well, and in fairness too, because of uh, the. Bruce Wayne yeah, he's like, he was like so much of his money on toys. and that stuff depreciates. Talking about like wealth, yeah. Are you talking about because of like gold reserves? You know, we're not talking about like company or country wealth, individuals, I think. So T'Challa himself is not richer than Tony Stark. Okay. I think that's probably some of the reasoning. Yeah. Was that our last question? That was the last question. Yeah. That was a great question. Okay. So thanks, guys, for writing in for trivia for the year. Appreciate (laughs) it. That's good. Aquaman does own 75% of the planet because of the ocean. That's great. Yeah. Um, That makes sense. Yeah. But it probably is the country is worth, not. Yeah, yeah, his yeah. family, yeah. And Namor is just angry. Namor wasn't time. an option, so. I know. <laughs> All right, moving along, let's go on to our graphic novel review, uh, picked by Mr. Andre himself. Yes, uh, this particular um, time, I wanted to do more of like an analysis. Uh, I think the last few times I was doing books, it was always something that was just great or amazing or blown away. But then, um, for me, there's a common sort of in three categories. It's either it's great or good or whatever, and then there's bad. And then there's the middle one where I feel like it's a disappointment where you can kind of see the potential as to where the story could have gone. And then after a certain point, you're like, all right, they kind of dropped the ball. And Marvel is guilty of this like a bunch of times up until probably Secret Wars. When Secret Wars hit, then it was like, great. Okay. He looked yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so the one that I wanted to touch on is uh, probably one that's kind of forgotten. It's uh, called Original Sin. And Original Sin was... Uh, <laughs> nine issue series because <laughs> there was a zero of eight as well but it's a, a nine issue series where it involves the watcher getting murdered and so it's kind of like this crime uh thing that doesn't really focus i mean it it, it it uses that as a backdrop but when you read the book and you read into um one of the main characters which is nick fury and his history and delving more into him it sort of like branches off into like a mishmash of different plot lines and different like cool things going with specific characters but then as a story as a plot for the watcher being murdered just goes into blah 
just like nothing. And so um, I kind of wanted to go back in and like take a look at it again and then also have the panel kind of like chime in on the fact, or not the fact, but what their take of the book is at, what they liked about it, what they didn't like about it, what they thought could have been fixed, what they thought could have been the premise, what they, I mean, I, I to the point where um, the, the uh, person whose concept of it was uh, Jason Aaron. Jason Aaron was the one that wrote most of the series. The uh, issue zero is actually, the whole team is not even <laughs> the team that does the series. It's Mark Wade, Jim Chung, Mark Morales, and Justin Ponzor. And then the rest of the series is Jason Aaron, Mike Deodato, and Frank Martin. So it's kind of yeah. like weird how he comes up with this series, but then the very first or zero issue. Yeah. He has nothing to do with it, pretty much, except for maybe the <laughs> yeah. That was weird. And so I also like looked at interviews with Jason Aaron talking about uh, moving in from one of his series, which was uh, Thor, to the female Thor, which was Jane Foster. Yeah. And his plan for Thor, and he doesn't mention Original Sin at all, but big the big plot points involving that happened in this book. So it's like, right. when you look back on it, it seems it's more of a he used it as a way to move things around with the series that he was really focused on yeah, and not really use it as the event event that people are kind of used to. Yeah. But that's, that's kind of my take on it. And we'll go into, I guess, a deep dive or somewhat deep dive on it. But, okay. But yeah, I mean like, uh, what you guys takes on it? This is the reason why I got it because of, of like a more of like a breakdown. This was, you know, this was an interesting book to pick and, and going back and, and reading through it, um, it brought back a lot of memories, not all of them good, Um, (laughs) but I, I remember, um, it, it made me recall how I felt at the time. And this was something that Marvel was always really good at. And I think I, I referred to it on one of the last couple of episodes where they would have events that would change the status quo. Yeah. And yeah. the interesting thing with this, you know, kind of the, the whole premise of, of original sin is that somebody kills the watcher and steals his eyeballs, which is where his eyeballs are like the repository of everything he's ever seen. And okay. Because comics, you know, <laughs> uh, the orb who is a human with an eyeball for a head yes. gets, <laughs> the you know one of the eyeballs and somehow turns it into a knowledge bomb okay and it unleashes knowledge uh secret knowledge on everybody in the vicinity and i think beyond yeah but so you know marvel's marvel's intent with this was to kind of shake up the status quo to add layers of depth two characters and stuff. Hey, there's stuff you don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like almost like retconning without actually retconning. It's like, we just just didn't know this. You know, there's a panel, um, I don't know, uh, in the third or fourth or fifth issue somewhere in there where when when this knowledge bomb goes off and Thor's like, what? I have a sister? Sister. You know, and everybody's like, you know, and it's like, really? The secretary? Are you kidding me? You know, so everybody's (laughs) like, you know, having these you know, these revelations foisted upon them that then they have to deal with. And there were, there were a lot of them in the Marvel universe at the time, you know? Um, and I was like, Oh, well, you know, that's an interesting way to, you know, to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely, I loved secret invasion, yeah. how Marvel, I thought that was an ingenious way 
to bring characters back into the Marvel Universe that had died previously. Yeah. I, I thought that was really cool. This, you know, initially, I was like, oh, this is really cool. I can't wait to see what they do with this. Yes. Uh, you know, the big, you know, eyeball head dude is yeah. kind of creeps me out a little yeah. bit. And he's, you know, about, he's already lost about, it. But What about like Mr. Midas with, 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 the, with the Midas <laughs> Midas <touch>. was, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was like, it's like, is he like, the, like, is he like the thing in Iron Man oh, mixed yeah. together? Well, <laughs> oh, his, classic his daughter. I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought that. No, yeah, and, and his daughter, Exterminatrix. Yeah, the Exterminatrix. Which I'm like, <laughs> is that the bondage? Is, was that from the '90s? Was that something I missed? Because yeah, I, I wasn't sure who those characters were. I mean, it was know, one of those you had to kind of Google them. To I like, was like, I ogled her. You ogled her. There, there you go. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. <laughs> that all that stuff was super weird, <laughs> but but ultimately like- the thing that that really upset me at the end of this book, okay, because they go with this thing. It's a Nick Fury story. Yes, it's a Nick okay, Fury. original Nick Fury. And yeah, yeah, really original. There's a point <laughs> in this story where you find out that oh, you find out more about Nick Nick Fury, more than you really wanted to know. You know, or cared to know, yeah. and they created a backstory for him that I don't think. Well, I, it, it hasn't stuck around to this day, so nah. it was something that they. Nah. He's on the moon in Exiles. Well, no, I don't, okay. I'm thinking. Are you talking about his unseen no, status quo or his I'm, man on the wall no, status quo? Because Bucky's not man on the wall. Anymore. Well, I know yeah. that they. I mean, they cleared that up somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But here's what bothered me most about that. Okay, because they're saying, you know, basically they, they spend like an entire issue with this soliloquy by Nick Fury going, I've stopped, you know, so much devastation. He's killed more beings and monsters and entities than anybody can yeah. imagine. He's, you know, he like, like, stopped all that. And I'm, I, my and thought when yeah. I was reading that was, no, wait a minute. What about what about when Thanos had the Infinity Gauntlet back in the eighties? Where were you? Yeah, yeah. If you're the man on the wall, <laughs> yeah. you know. What about all this scroll activity? You know that led up to Secret Invasion. All this stuff going on. Yeah. What about? Uh, well, I don't think it would just, be Christ. Just, on so, just Earth. the listeners don't no. don't. But, understand but there was a crossover. Uh, what are yeah, you talking about? Like the man on the wall was supposed to be uh, a status that Nick Fury was. I guess he bestowed it upon himself. It was because it wasn't well, somebody who no, Howard wanted. Stark asked him to do to, it. He was like, okay. "Are you are you up for the task?" Okay, yeah. which basically made Nick Fury into like an interdimensional hitman. Yeah, or yeah. or like when he's taking out, out threats yeah. before like, you know, they yeah before they threats. get there. Yeah, and right. but it was but it wasn't like just you know in this reality, it's multiple reality, other other worlds, other things. So if there's ever a threat, he would just prevent it from happening before. He would actually before it actually would reach us. So in the storyline, you find out that that's what he was doing, and that the Nick Fury that everybody that was actually dealing with was just his LMDs. It was yeah. always LMDs, life right. model decoys, life model decoys. And people thought he took the Infinity Formula, which is a formula that kept him young the whole time. But right. in reality, it was just the LMDs the entire time. They just got more and more realistic, and Nick Fury was actually aging. So when you see him, because the formula wore yeah, off, right? I don't know about form. I, I don't remember that. Okay. There's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a point where he 
references it yeah, yeah. wearing off. So I don't know if and that's why if he, he did have so it in rapidly. his system for a while, but yeah. then now it was just he was right. He's about to die. Yeah, because well, yeah. I, I mentioned that to you. We were talking about it earlier. Yeah, that um, I said like everything else that's not involved about who killed the Watcher is more interesting. Like the team in up the between actual. Doctor Strange and Punisher. You yeah. know what I mean? And like yeah. T'Challa and, and like the cool things like when T'Challa was with Emma Frost Emma and she Frost, tried to read his mind. Was, yeah. And what was it? She said it's like a barbed wire. That was that was a bit melodramatic. But yeah. 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 But showing, you know, kind of like how much uh, like flexing his power. Like that was cool. Yeah. Like I like little moments like that. Yeah. It was super <laughs> overdramatic the way she said it. But, you know, the, uh, that to me was a lot more interesting than finding out who killed the Watcher. Because I think what was it by like the fourth issue? Like, you know. Yeah, it, it, the, the the book hints towards who the killer was going to be, and it, it people thought it was going to be Nick Fury. Well, I think it was uh, when it, Bucky first. Wasn't yeah. it like Bucky? And then it's like, no, it's not him. And then he shows that Nick Fury's not really him. It's it's the life model decoys. Yep. And then around that period of time, it's kind of like, well, it seems like it's Nick Fury, but this is Jason Aaron writing this. I mean, it has to be something else. It has to be something that we're not like really understanding. And then it gets to the end, and it, it's like, I mean, Nick Fury's like, yeah, it was me. And it's like, well, well that's... That's, <laughs> that's it. We were so <laughs> devastated because we were like, no, 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 it's got to be something cool. He wrote God Bomb. It has to be something cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and so I was actually reading interviews on um, Jason Aaron talking about Thor, talking about the three Thors, God Bomb, that whole thing, and then talking about how he wanted to pass the hammer on to another character, like a female Thor, and how there's this outrage. And he talked about for a while now he wanted to get Thor to question his own worthiness. And he was come thinking of a way to be able to try to do something like that. And um, he says, if you read my books, if you read it, there's there's clues talking about, you know, what, why do you feel like you are worthy? That's what Gore is kind of presenting, you know, when it comes to um, those particular issues of Thor. And so when Nick Fury in one of the pivotal issues says he could take Thor down with just a, just a word or whatever, or a few words or whatever, and then he whispers something. And in this book, it's it's... The the chicken scratch in 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 Murder Falcon is like is like like just bold. yeah it's like a bold seventy two <laughs> it's like it's like a one hundred inch screen like in front of you you know on yeah. your TV compared to the, the scribble that they had and and so I remember a bunch of us were just all coming up with theories as to what exactly did he say what exactly right. did he say and he waited about five was it five years before Unworthy Thor right. came out to even resolve that. But he specifically doesn't talk about original sin in that particular um, interview. He talks about the Thor and the next Thor and then the transition. Yeah. So as you're reading this, it's kind of like, well, it seems like this story was more about trying to integrate plot lines in the individual For characters so that when they have their stories, something interesting happens. But this is just a means to an end right. to get that to happen and not really a good story in and of itself. So in reality, the sentence that he said to him was female Thor. <laughs> and he was so devastated. <laughs> he just dropped his hammer and that was it. I wish I like, as I didn't have time to do it, but I wish I could like pull up just all the different theories. One of the better ones that I heard from Roger was that a customer came to shop and said that theory just theory talked to the hammer, not the Thor. And the right, hammer, right, 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 right. and the hammer uh, uh, refused to work for Thor because he yeah. saw the hammer work differently when Jane was holding it, and so it was like, oh, that's a great theory. And so we all had our own different theories, and right. then when he just reveals that all he said was Gore was right, that's all the Fury said to Thor, and and we were like, that's it, that's it what we're that's ego. <laughs> that's oh god. 
and yeah. and I think the biggest catalyst towards that particular plot line was the length of time. That's that's what oh, yeah. Roger mainly pointed out. It's it's not that he said that. It was the half half decade. Like, that's so three yeah. years ago. Two. To get to five that. years ago, since, since we're you on know. the subject of gore, didn't you think it was awesome in, in Donny Cates' Venom that um, the God Butcher weapon was a weapon? It of, was it was the symbiote. The symbiote it was symbiote the, king. The symbiote it was, king. Oh, the Lord, like, yeah, that connection. I was like, ah, so it's like when Jason Aaron does stuff like that, and like God Butcher and God Bomb, and then you come to this, and you're like, come on, man, couldn't you have done it like <laughs> way better? Come on. Well, I'm trying to fi- I'm trying to figure out what he because I'm trying to figure out what he said or what was being talked about in the Marvel offices when it came to this particular story. Right. You know, because it was one of those, I need a way to transition the character from this to this. And then Marvel's like, well, we have an event and Hickman is, or Matt Fraction is this and Hickman's doing that. Well, also, you know I mean? You want to do it? Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, well, what's it about? And, oh yeah. Well, Uatu's get, got murdered and you know, so write something about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, and I mean, and, and if you take a look at the like the art, I mean, like the covers look like that's why I pulled the covers out because right, right, right. it's like this old like classic like you know like like even though the artwork and art style is more modern, it's just the way that they present it is more of like the really? classic. Yeah, I think it is. Like if you look at each one, it'll say like yeah, like the nineteen fifties like Art Deco ish like answers at all costs. Who holds the eye? You know, and it's like oh, this is a great you know, trust no one. And what is he going to see? Right. Great presentation. And then you start reading it and it's just like, dude, and then like, you see the interior art and you're like, ugh, what is this? <laughs> uh, I take it. You I, don't like the, I, I, I personally, like the, yo, yeah, man, I check out his cars uh, in this, in, in these issues. And they're like, what is this? <laughs> this was my first introduction to Mike Diodato. And I was pleasantly surprised by his particular art style, but it was more of like a, Oh, that must be really like using computers and right. then technology to do the art yeah. as opposed to a traditional style. And this book definitely pushed that. But I will say that if you look at the cover and you look at the interior, it's completely misleading. Yeah. And if I had to choose between having art throughout the book that looked exactly like this the whole time versus the disparity, I would rather have the a cover side. art. It yeah. would never sure, come out sure. though. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't come out on time. Yeah, it would be one issue per three months. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, like the uh, Jim Chong. Yeah, man. the the yeah. Uh, the you're talking about the Jim issue Chung. was great, and it was written by Mark Wade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it like was. the the little story with uh, um, I can never remember is Sam Alexander. Sam, Sam Alexander. Okay, yeah. there we go. Yeah, that that was cool. You know, and then you go into this, and you're like, okay. When this book came out, um, like the first issue, I was like, okay, this is great. Second issue, I'm like, okay, all right, I see where it's going. And with each issue that came out, I'm like. Okay, what it, the pro- it progressively right. are you doing? Is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I mean by the disappointment because yeah. there's ones where you could like look at the first issue, first issue maybe even halfway through and you're like this is like a stinker. And then yeah. and you might give the second issue a try and you're like, yeah, I was right. And in this one it's like for me it was when you found out that Nick Fury wasn't really that Nick Fury the whole time he was really old. I think that was around issue 5. It was four or five. Four or five. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought that I, that I was really liked it. Yeah. That was like a wow. Yeah. And then you think, well, there's only three more left. Well, how are they going to wrap this up? Because who killed the Watcher? Yeah. And you really don't think you could do it in three issues because the buildup was to the reveal of Nick Fury's status. And then it's like, well, it was me. And I'm like, well, of course. And after Age of Ultron, it's kind of like, well, damn, Marvel. <laughs> like, what's this going all the way up until a certain point? And then it's uh, like, yeah. and then you just, blah. 
<laughs> the Dr. Midas thing frustrated me so much because I was like, wait, is Thing corrupt now? Hang yeah. on, why does he have an Iron Man suit? Yeah, What's going on? Deodato drew, drew them. Yeah, like he had the Iron Man, like the classic Iron Man helmet. Like yeah. the, the Iron, I'm sorry, the Iron Man from like it, it, the first Iron Man movie, like the one he's in the cave. Right. <laughs> where right. huge eye slits. Yeah, it was like that. And it's like, this is such a weird character. Right. But he and the Unseen and, and no, no, I'm sorry, not the Unseen. The, him and the, uh, was I think the Forgotten Ones. It, it was uh, the, the the big guy with the optic blast. Do you remember the name oh, of them? Oh, uh, um, the Mindless Ones. Mindless Ones, that's it. Like, it, it was like they were just there to be henchmen. Yeah. Like, yeah. they weren't like a main bad guy. They weren't a main villain. They, right. were, they were just a couple, some B-list characters that they kind of brought back. I did think it fit the, the the way that the story looked, but it's it, it's really weird because it's like it was pitched as different things, like yeah. and you don't know what it is because like first I I'm thinking over here oh it's like a murder mystery, but right no, that gets tossed out like Uatu is barely like it, you know right. he barely matters, uh it, it's just there to set off the bomb and that's it and then it gets pitched as this weird like. Secret, like everybody has their secrets, uh, you know, revealed. But then, most of that stuff doesn't go anywhere. Like uh, that had the potential to be so like the like Hulk cooler. and Tony Stark stuff. Well, yeah, you know? With, I like, think the Peter Parker uh, found out that Silk existed. Which yeah, that, that's I want to say that that came out of this. Yeah, and and there's some stuff that worked, but like this feels like a transition uh, book where it's just like, all right, let's just write this. BS so that we can get to the next event. Well, I think so. I think that they had this idea that, hey, we've got all this stuff we want to do. What's the fastest and shortest <laughs> way to get there? <laughs> right, right. You know, Make to an change event. the status quo on, you know, you have a list of characters. Okay, we want all these guys yep. in here. And, okay, there, there's just cool turn, you know, turn, turn the tables yeah. on its head. And, yeah. you know, he was trying to make things interesting, like with, with the mindless ones, how he's like, now they they think on their own and they're like, oh god, get us out of this. Yeah, like, that was I don't cool. want to know. There's some, I like that. Yeah, there's, there's nice some cool then they were just henchmen at the end of the that, day. That, yeah. There's some cool ideas that would work uh, well alone, but the fact that they're uh, thrown in there together, it's just like, yeah. okay, well, which idea are you going with? Because yeah. I like the idea of a murder mystery in like the Marvel universe. That's why uh, Thor's uh, in Secret Wars uh, yeah. worked really well. Yeah, yeah, like who's killing all the Jane Fosters? Right. Yeah. Like that stuff is great. Like the. Uh, Go out of your comfort zone in in superhero comics. Or it's, yeah, like, but then go, the fact that you're going back to like, hey, yeah. it's this all powerful bad guy. He's gonna just like make you know fools out of all of you. Right? Like, come on. And then like like uh like I said I said it before. Doctor Strange and the Punisher teaming up. Like I'm totally cool yeah. with that they're interrogating some guy. Yeah, I think they did that that Magic him. Bullets book was like short, not that long after that. It was it was Punisher. Did and Jason Aaron write that? Yeah, I don't. Did he? I think so. Okay, okay. I, remember. I remember seeing it, and yeah. I was I didn't I didn't actually. Oh. Read it. Okay. Um, it looked good. It was with oh, yeah. Mike Henderson art. Okay. Yeah. yeah. See, that's something I would want to check out. Yeah, it had like a pun. No, it had Doctor Strange with like a magical Uzi or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because right. you know, you're like, how would these characters work together? And then that scene sets it up perfectly. He's like, I'm gonna kill him, and he's like, Don't worry, I sent him to a dimension where he'll be chased by demons forever or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah. you see their their moralities are kind of the same in a little way on certain things. Like, yeah, yeah. you know. So I was like, I was interested in that, you know, more than what was going on here. Yeah. Yeah. So like for you guys, like, what would what would be the 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 pivotal point in the book the point where you sh your shift went from i'm done what the hell's going on with this like, yeah. like like from getting from excitement to okay like the, <laughs> the issue after the reveal of like uh old nick fury yeah, okay like, that's where it was yeah for me. yeah but, so was it was for you initially was it for you that way as well Roger? that's yeah that's 
pretty close. Right around that time? If not that issue, then the one after it. Okay. There's so much that you can do in superhero comics. Um, I mean, I don't love this story, but, like, you look at Red Sun, how Lex Luthor takes right. down Superman. Like, that's new. That's exciting. That's Lex Luthor is the good guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's really cool stuff. And then you think that they have something cool with uh, Original Sin, the first few issues, and then they go back to, like, hey, it's just this all-powerful bad guy that you guys can't take care of. Like, come on. Do something yeah. new. Well, I mean... Um, I think in Red Sun, I mean, Superman was still good, but he was just working for the right. wrong side, essentially. I, I love that. But it was a new idea. It takes him down idea. with a letter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you can't put the whole world in a bottle. Right, like, right, That right. is genius. Even yeah. though I didn't love that comic, that moment, genius. Right. This, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I think, the, the and you guys might agree, disagree, whatever, but this particular, what, what Marvel was attempting to do, because I'm not saying that they shouldn't have done something like this at all, right. but what they were attempting to do did do any of you ever think it actually required nine issues? No, no, oh, yeah. not at all. Do you think it could have been condensed to a one shot or maybe a three part? Yeah, type of book. And there was a couple of side stories too, right? Wasn't it? Was there tie-ins, Roger? Or, do you I remember so. there being? I don't know. I didn't go for any tie-ins, but do you remember Me if there either. was any? Because I don't remember there being a bunch of other stuff pushing. There for this was visit. a separate miniseries called Original Sins. Oh, yeah, that's oh, it. Oh, yeah. Five-issue miniseries. Yeah. I think I remember that. Original Sins, and then this, and that was, I think that was it, because I don't think any other no, books. There was another one that dealt with Hulk, and I think that was the one that that kind of delved into the, the Hulk Iron Man issue. Okay. Um, there, there was... There was a few. The main one was the five issue original sins. Yeah, and then there was a. I want to say it was a two. A two part story that dealt with the the Hulk. It so, wasn't, but it wasn't like the Secret Wars type of tie ins or, or or worse, Civil War two. It wasn't like that level of yeah. No, no. <laughs> it was just like some, someone in no. the writers' room was like, "Let's do something with the word sin," you know. Someone like, watched Teresa, seven. She was like, "No, like, no, it. it was not like that." No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, let's let's get this over with. Let's do ratings, Johnny. What are you gonna rate it, sir? Uh, two. Okay. Mediocre. Uh, I'd I'd say like two point five. It's just middle of the road. I mean, it, it it did have some implications that led to fruitful right. things, but in and of itself as a story, it was just like I think the best thing that Roger said back then was it's <laughs> you said I, I you said I think Donny Cates just phoned it in. Like he wasn't even there at the office. He Not just Donny called. Cates, Jason uh, Aaron. I'm sorry, Jason. Aaron. Aaron. I'm sorry, Jason. Aaron, I'm sorry. I mentioned Donny Cates earlier. Yeah. That's, that's why. You said I think Jason Aaron just phoned it in. <laughs> Those <laughs> Roger's exact words, and I started laughing because he's yeah. like, I don't. Even, I think he's like somewhere else, and he's just like, yeah, just just do this. Click. Yeah. They gave him a task, and he he picked up a paycheck. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you, Andre. I'm gonna give it a, a 2.5 because there were certain moments that I liked, and then others I was just like, well, what about you, Roger? Uh, I'm at two stars, and sure. I, I'm probably being more lenient on it than <laughs> I was at the time. So you're, you're bumping it up a little bit. I was bit. really hard on the book well, at of the course. time. That was, and that nine, was after, nine, nine that was after you know the the zero issue and the and the number one issue had come out, and I was like, oh yeah, I you know this has a lot of yeah. promise. And then as it went on, it got worse and worse. At the end, it's like really you felt like really? it was a sin that this ever got made. This is a sin. Yeah. yeah, I had to do it, at least one it, sin punch. It, it's it's 
when it comes to at least for me I don't know if I'm speaking for the rest of the guys, but when it comes to me reading comics and it's like an event or a series where you're sort of committing towards like finishing it through or reading through a whole bunch of stuff, you know, to try to get the complete storyline. Like I said, there's good, there's bad, and then there's this, which was considered a disappointment. And it's it's weird because when something's good, obviously it's good, and when it's bad, you just know right away and you stay away from it. So it, it's, it's to put it in, in, in I guess, more other realm or whatever it, it's it's almost like if you were to try to talk to somebody who could be a potential significant other and then there's someone who's bad and you're like you know what? i'm not even gonna deal with her or him yeah. it's good okay let me be with and then this is someone who is like with you and they're doing all these good things and then they, they cheat on you <laughs> halfway through what and they, and they got right. your hopes up and your dreams <laughs> for the future and everything there and then they just do something and they, they just stick it in you and they take everything that you've owned and they left you <laughs> penniless and stuff and it's like if you need a you know screw this, you it's stomach. even worse <laughs> you right, know because right, right. Like, i wish you just were bad from the beginning because i would just not even bother with you i think that's the, what this is like it's like something like that right and i think the best issue of the series is issue number zero and it's not even really <laughs> it has nothing it has nobody from the team you got like a backstory <laughs> on the watchers yeah and that was cool you know what i mean and yeah. that like Sam Alexander got to know that his dad was alive and stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if the series had been more like that, I probably would have enjoyed it better. And it's funny because it's the most expensive one. Well, this one's also four ninety nine. Yeah. And then the rest of them are three ninety nine. I guess they were like, we're, oh, and the last one's four ninety nine. Yeah. It's weird how they're bouncing around. I guess they were. I guess they were like, issue. we're gonna screw them. Let's just take a dollar off of each one. <laughs> Make it <a> cushion <laughs> of blow. Yeah. Because it could have. I could have paid one, two, three, four, five, six, six more bucks. But Roger so, was giving 20% discounts back then, so, you know. <laughs> so, so it would have it kind of <laughs> evened out a little bit. <laughs> so, essentially, if you guys are in the mood to read a great story, read something else. Um, yeah. Any other last or Read this for the first six issues and then just stop. Yeah. yeah. Like like read dating somebody for until, until you think it's going to go bad and then just, just, just <laughs> dump them on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> you just cut it off. <laughs> um, do, do we want to do lightning rounds? Yeah, good. All right. Uh, who wants to go first? Johnny, you got a lightning round, sir? Yeah. Round? Okay, go. We'll, we'll get yeah, it on uh, Reed Vamp Veronica, number five, just came out this week. Uh, it's delightful. It is, uh, gosh, what is the art and writer? Just breathe and go Man. with it. You got a minute. He did the art on uh, Jeff Lemire's um, Moon Knight. Ooh. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> um, this book is great. Uh, it's was delayed i think like the first issue came out maybe like a year ago okay um but i think this is the last issue i can't be sure uh it's a great horror book uh that doesn't uh you know about vampire veronica uh, okay from, Arch from the archie universe okay um, and you would think that it would fall into a lot of horror tropes uh it does a very good job in avoiding uh, most of those uh and it's just great as a horror book a horror teen book okay um I think you still have some time. Nah, I'm uh, good. You're good? Okay. Yeah. Moving on. Andre, lightning so. round. Go. Um, I don't know if this was brought up last week, but Daredevil is canceled on yeah. Netflix. And so um, here's the thing. Apparently that the, the characters that were canceled, uh, Marvel can't use for two years. That was that was definitely this week. And I think the reason why The Punisher and Jesse Jones hasn't been canceled is because those they were still filming. So it seems like the plan is for Netflix when it comes to the Marvel series is to basically finish them off cancel them and then move on to their own uh, uh property uh -huh. because disney is coming up with their own streaming service so i think they're gearing up for like the war when it comes to that uh, i don't know if anybody who like keeps up when it comes to um stocks and whatnot but netflix right. 
the stock for Netflix back when they were the only streaming service was upwards around 400 bucks per share. And now they're just above 189, 190 wow. plus. Yeah. Because there are about six or seven other streaming services that are currently available with Disney about to pull every one of their shows and every one of their movies off of the service. Hulu. Yeah. And Netflix is constantly borrowing billions to create their own content because they're going to have to backlog a bunch of stuff for them in order to compete with everything that is going to be pulled from them. So if anybody has a Netflix, you, you're either going to expect your prices to go up or they're going to probably flop or go some other route. But it's it's crazy. It's, it, and if anybody's interested in getting stocks or shares, they probably want to move on to Disney because Disney's right now is like $125 per share. So all right. it's probably going to go up. That's all. Okay. You want to go next, Roger? Sure. Okay. Okay. So um, next week, uh, we are not going to have Horizon Comics After Dark on, I think, it, on Friday or Saturday. I think it's the 20th and the 21st. It's right before um, 21st and 22nd. Okay, um, next Friday night we actually booked um, a white elephant uh, Christmas party event in the back room that we're going to be doing, um, and then Saturday Teresa and I are taking off. We're going to go up to the Bay Area to see our kids. Um, Sweet, and we will resume the following week. Anyway, more more to come on that. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Perfect. Um, safe travels to you, sir. Uh, my lightning round, I actually want to talk about um, this series I've been watching called uh, Goblin Slayer. Have I mentioned it to you? I don't so know the anime? Yes. Have you I'm seen it? Yeah, it's supposed to, well, I think I've seen the first episode. I've downloaded other ones, but I'm, right. I have so much stuff. Fair warning, it, it is very dark, especially yes. in the first episode. Berserk. But if, if you like you, Berserk. Right. If you, if you get past it, uh, it is essentially uh, Batman in a D&D universe. And they even allude to things like the gods uh, roll dice to see like what happens to the mortals and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. What is this? Go- Goblin, Goblin Slayer. Slayer. Check it out. Yeah. But like I said, the first the first episode, very TVMA. Like su- like you'll be having PTSD afterwards. Like violence. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. That's, That's really bad. good. Yeah, but after that, once you get past that, it kind of sets up the tone. You get why this guy is doing what he's doing. And it's, yeah, it, it's, I've become like obsessed with it. So, okay, cool. Yep. I, I got to catch up on that then. Oh, yeah. If you guys get a chance, check it out. Um, and that is going to be the end of Lightning Rounds. Well, actually, I, f- I forgot my 20 second overrun. Oh, I yes. D- I, um, do need, I do need, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I should have kept going. Um, just a heads up to everybody listening out there we are going to be closed. Horizon Comics will be closed um, Sunday. Monday and Tuesday. That's December 23rd, 24th, and 25th. We will reopen with new books Wednesday, uh, December 26th. But if you want to get your geek gifts in, you're not going to want to wait until Christmas Eve because we're not going to be here. So um, come in, uh, pick up your gifts and stuff uh, through Saturday the 22nd. All right. Normal hours, normal hours through the 22nd. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us, guys. If uh, we want to keep up with you, Mr. Andre, social media-wise, where can we get a hold of you? Um, on Instagram, I'm under Neon, Slin- neon Synth, with underscore, obviously. Uh, same thing with Facebook, just Neon forward slash Synth. Uh, can we talk about Blade Runner someday? Sure. Okay. We can talk about Blade Runner. You can talk about any, any, anything 1980s okay. is good for me, like, like play Careless Whisper. <laughs> sing, and sing and sing together. 
You want to do Perfect. that too? Perfect, sir. I'm, I'm cool with that. <laughs> Mr. Johnny, what about you? You guys can follow me everywhere at the Johnny Two X Four. Perfect, Mr. Roger at Horizon Comics. You got it, and Horizon. I am uh, uh, Blake Starling at Radical SWATCAT on Twitter. All right, thank you guys for listening, and have a good week. Hey guys, this is Roger. Um, before we get to the Multiversity University segments, um, I just have an announcement to make. Um, it's it's with uh, a bit of a heavy heart that I am announcing the uh, cancellation of the podcast for the foreseeable future. Um, is you know this is you know it's a tough thing to do, but I know it's the right thing because uh, for me personally, I feel like a weight's been lifted off. Um, I haven't you know my heart hasn't been in it for um, for some time, although I am very grateful. Uh, to all of the listeners um, who have been a part of this show for so long, I thank you very much. Um, I don't think I don't think that this is permanent. I think that you know uh, there's a good possibility that we will come back at some point in time. But at at, at this point, the whole reason for this is that uh, I need to focus on running our shop. Um, we're we're still within like a two year downturn in sales um and there's always been a part of me that felt like maybe the podcast um contributed to some of the decline in sales um mostly i think it's just a a systemic industry problem um but it's it's hard for me you know to uh completely discount you know the the honest reviews that we give books not being a part of that too so anyway um, this will be the the last official uh, review podcast. Um, we do want to do one more uh, podcast, and, and this is an open invitation to everybody who's um, participated in the show or, or listened to the show. If you want to come out, um, we plan on doing it Sunday, uh, January 29th. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no. Sunday, um, December 29th at, let's say, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, if it changes, I'll, I'll let everybody know um, on social media um, or I, I will nail it down. But uh, anyway, that's it. Um, I, I know that this is, is going to come as a surprise and a shock to a lot of people. For that, I apologize. But at the same time, again, I thank you for, for being on this journey with us. And uh, when we when we do come back, it'll it'll be stronger, better, faster. I love you guys. Thanks again for supporting the show, supporting the shop. Um, thank you. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Multiversity University. I am your host, Larry Douglas. Well, I'd like to start off by recapping where we're at. Um, we're still talking about Marvel because uh, the early 60s were a time when Marvel really began to uh, really began to shine in a lot of ways. Um, so, of course, in 1961, they start off slow by introducing the Fantastic Four just to see how well it will go to have a group of superheroes. And the Fantastic Four is more successful than they thought. So in 1962, they really uh, upped the ante, bringing in a lot more characters and uh, 
introducing the Incredible Hulk and also Thor, in addition to Spider-Man, all characters that will, uh, over time, uh, become very popular, with Spider-Man becoming popular pretty much immediately. But 1963 was the year where Marvel really took off. And, uh, and there were a few things that happened in 1963 that showed that Marvel was really hitting its stride. Uh, for one thing, the character of the books was beginning to change. In the early books, especially the early Fantastic Four stories, they were very similar to the way comics had been up until then. Each story was pretty much self-contained within a single issue. Um, there were not a lot of continuing stories. Um, now, the stories, the, the characters themselves were more complex than what you tended to get with, uh, with other comic books, um, but the stories... Uh, like most traditional comic stories, were just one-issue stories. And, uh, but beginning in 1963, this is when they really began to flex their creative muscles. They began to get stories that stretched out over several issues or stories that were um, kind of like in a novel. They were a subtext that continued throughout, uh, throughout a lot of different issues and as a part of many different stories. So the Fantastic Four itself was beginning uh, to become more the type of comic that we would associate with Marvel uh, later on. Um, also, they began to introduce some other characters. Of course, a big thing was that in 1963, Spider-Man got his own title. Um, but Spider-Man was not the only character that Marvel created in 1963. Um, in Tales of Suspense number 39, we get Iron Man appearing for the first time. Um, Iron Man was, of course, uh, one that would become very popular and would eventually get his own title, although it would actually take him five years before he would get his own title. He would not actually, uh, ha there would not actually be a comic called Iron Man until 1968. Um, but he continued to appear regularly and, of course, was a member of the Avengers. Um, now, one of the interesting things about Iron Man and actually all of the Marvel comics is that uh, a lot of the comics uh, that Marvel was putting out, the villains were communists. And so communists appeared everywhere. Um, in fact, uh, one of the sayings at that time was there are more communists in, uh, in Marvel comics than there are in Russia itself. Uh, so um, when they brought in Iron Man, that was actually a, another way to bring in the battle against communism on a different front because Tony Stark, Iron Man, was part of the corporate world. And so they had depicted communism being fought by the military. They depicted it being fought by uh, scientists and by uh, superheroes that were who were basically civilians, pretty much, or maybe part of the military or maybe scientists. Um, but now they brought in a superhero who was part of a corporation that was uh, helping to fight communism as well. Uh, so uh, kind of an interesting uh, take on that character. Um, they also introduced uh, Nick Fury in uh, they in Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos number one. Now this was of course a war a World War II comic, but Nick Fury would of course later on appear um, as being part of Shield. Um, they also, um, in Amazing Spider-Man number three that year, uh, brought in Dr. Octopus. Um, and in Strange Tales number 110, we get the first appearance of Dr. Strange. But of all the comics and characters that Marvel 
uh, brought in in 1963, probably the two most important would be the Avengers and the X-Men. Now, the Avengers and X-Men, surprisingly, were both introduced the same month. They both came out in September of 1963. Um, the Avengers were actually originally viewed by Lee and Kirby as being a, uh, a kind of a successor group to a group called the All Winners Squad. A lot of people don't know it, but Timely had their own version of the Justice Society uh, during the Golden Age that was called the All Winners Squad. Uh, a lot of people don't know that because it wasn't nearly as popular as the Justice Society was, and so most people have kind of forgotten about it. But nonetheless, they did exist. And just like with the All Winners Squad, um, the characters that were originally part of the Avengers appeared in other comics. And so it was an assembling of pre-existing characters. And the original team uh, was Thor, the Hulk, Ant-Man, the Wasp, and Iron Man. Um, however, unlike the Justice Society and, uh, and later on the Justice League, um, the Avengers changed a lot. Uh, in fact, their lineup actually changed in issue number two. Uh, when um, when the Hulk actually ended up dropping out and they ended up getting some other characters. And of course, um, Captain America would end up coming in in Avengers number four. Uh, so the, the lineup just kept changing, although probably the two most consistent characters, they haven't always been members of the Avengers, but the ones that have been the most would be Thor and Captain America. Now, of course, the Avengers came together when Loki was trying to take revenge on Thor, tricked him into battling the Hulk. Um, but then um, the Wasp, Iron Man, and Ant-Man uh, got together and, uh, and helped to uh, straighten things out and help Thor defeat Loki. And then the Wasp said, you know what? We did so well fighting together. We should stick together and give ourselves a cool name like the Avengers. And so the Avengers were born. Now, that same month, X-Men number one came out, also created by Lee and Kirby, um, although instead of being existing characters, these were new characters. And strangely enough, the reason that these characters ended up being mutants was not because this was some brilliant idea um, on the part of Lee and Kirby, but because Stan Lee at that point was a little bit tired of coming up with origin stories for how these characters got their powers. And he decided, you know what, it would be a lot easier if they were just born that way. So they came up with the idea of having these mutants who were just born with powers. In fact, Stan Lee actually wanted to call the X-Men the mutants, but, um, but Martin Goodman vetoed that because he said the average reader wouldn't know what the term mutant meant. And so they ended up coming up with the X-Men. Now, um, the X-Men, a lot of people think were named after Charles Xavier. Um, however, um, it was actually because uh, Charles Xavier said that they, he called them the X-Men because they all had an extra ability that most humans did not have. Um, so, uh, so they weren't actually named after him. Now, the reason that they created, it was actually Jack Kirby's idea to create Professor X uh, because originally the X-Men were all teenagers. They were essentially Marvel's Legion of Superheroes. Um, 
And so Kirby had the idea that, well, if these are all teenagers, they should go to a school and they should have a teacher. Um, so that's how uh, Charles Xavier, Professor X, comes into the whole story. Now, the early issues of the X-Men were much like other comics. They were, you know, straightforward good versus evil stories. Um, but then later on, they began to incorporate other things into the stories. They began to incorporate themes of racism and prejudice. And so in many ways, the X-Men became one of the uh, more mature titles, not mature in terms of, you know, adult content, but in terms of adult themes. However, um, the X-Men didn't actually sell as well as the other titles. And after going on for a few years in the late 60s, they actually ended up being canceled. For a couple of years, Marvel continued the X-Men title by running reprints of earlier stories. Um, but finally, the X-Men were canceled and would have to wait until the Bronze Age uh, to make their big comeback. Um, but nonetheless, they did and, of course, have been a big part of the Marvel Universe ever since then. So thank you for joining us, and please join us next time as we continue talking about Marvel's contribution to the Silver Age. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Multiversity University. I'm your host, Larry Douglas. Uh, tonight is going to be a, a slightly different episode of Multiversity University. There's going to be a little bit more... Um, editorializing in this one than uh, I normally do. Um, but I want to talk about Marvel and DC, or as they're known, the big two. Um, because now that we've gone up through 1963, this is the point at which Marvel and DC are really beginning to battle it out. And in fact, the, the fight between Marvel and DC for dominance of the comic book world is going to pretty much take up the rest of the Silver Age. Um, in fact, actually, the Silver Age is pretty much the story of Marvel and DC. Not that there weren't other comic book companies around, but compared to Marvel and DC, the other comic book companies, uh, uh, their sales were, to be honest, pretty minuscule compared to the two of them. So it's during the Silver Age that we develop this whole idea of the big two, Marvel, DC, and then everybody else. Uh, and... The reason I want to talk about this is because uh, there seems to be sometimes a little bit of uh, judgmentalism around Marvel and DC. Uh, a lot of people, when they use that term big two, it's, uh, it's done kind of critically. It's like, oh, well, you know, they're just the big two. I'm, I don't read their stuff. I'm cool because I read some comic book that is published by someone out of their garage and only three people read it. So, so that makes me cool. Uh, no, it doesn't make you cool. It just makes you a snob. But um, but the thing about Marvel and DC being the big two, um, and, and by the way, when, when I say this, I don't want to imply that I don't recognize the importance of independent comics. I do. I think independent comics are great. There are titles, there are independent titles that I really enjoy reading. Um, I don't always just want to read the stuff put out by Marvel and DC. Sometimes I want to read other kinds of stories that you can get um, in those independent comics. And I think that they um, make a great contribution to the industry. Um, and I think that especially Image, uh, since they've become uh, a very successful company for an independent, uh, has, uh, has made some real contributions uh, to comic books. So if you love reading independent comics, that's great. More power to you. Um, but the thing about Marvel and DC being the big two and being corporate, if you want to put it that way, is that they didn't get there by accident. Marvel and DC actually earned their way there. There's a reason why they are the big two. 
Marvel and DC did not start off being big corporations. Now, they were later bought by big corporations, but they were purchased by these big corporations because of the fact that they were so successful. And the reason that Marvel and DC got so successful is because they did things that other companies simply weren't doing. They were the ones that led the way. And so um, I just wanted to kind of go over some of the contributions that DC and Marvel have made to the comic book business. And the truth is, if you look at it, uh, you know, if you look at it in, in a factual way without uh, trying to get your, you know, your own biases involved there, you can see that DC and Marvel have actually influenced comic book history more than any other companies. Um, we're going to start with DC because they came along first. Uh, to give you an example, and these are all things we've talked about before, but never really in uh, in kind of one you know breath, so to speak, one fell swoop. Um, DC starts off by being formed in 1935 and putting out New Fun, the big comics magazine. Now, the reason this is so important is because this is the comic that begins the trend of having original stories in comic books rather than reprints. Uh, now, there were original stories before this, but um, they were kind of rare, and it was this comic that begins it because New Fun, the big comics magazine, leads to the comic book more New Fun, which leads to the comic book More Fun and basically leads to this company, which is putting out all original stories. Now, I should point out that New Fun, the big comics magazine, was also the first comic book to have advertising, so I suppose that's kind of a, a mixed uh, legacy there, but at least there's something positive. Then, of course, DC in 1937 puts out Detective Comics and becomes one of the most popular, if not the most popular comic book company um, out there. And then, of course, 1938, action number one, First Superman story, the beginning of the superhero genre, and the beginning of the Golden Age. Uh, so, um, and of course, one of the most important comics in comic book history. As you can tell, if you've ever tried to buy one and tried to figure out how you were going to put together millions of dollars to be able to do that. Then, of course, in 1939, DC puts out Detective Number 27, the first appearance of Batman, who will simply go on to become the most popular character in comics. Um, and of course, during the golden age, uh, DC was the most popular company. They had, uh, the biggest pantheon of superheroes, um, and, uh, and they had three of the top five selling superheroes at that time, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, um, the DC superheroes were the only ones that survived the Golden Age and went on into the Atomic Age as well. And then, of course, in 1956, what does DC do? They put out Showcase Number 4 and actually start the Silver Age. And between 1956 and 1960, they're the dominant company of the Silver Age and really kind of set the tone uh, for what's going to come. Now, what about Marvel? Well, Marvel wasn't as big during the Golden Age. Uh, they, they, of course, were known as Timely then, as we know. Um, they were kind of a, a middle-of-the-road company in terms of their sales, but they did have one extremely popular character, and that, of course, is Captain America. Um, he was probably the number five uh, most popular character in the Golden Age, uh, with Captain Marvel being the, the most popular, and then, of course, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Captain America in that order. 
But of course, where they really began to make their contributions was in, um, in 1961 with Fantastic Four number one, um, bringing about beginning to uh, do comics in a new way. And then, of course, in 1962 with the introduction of Spider-Man. Um, Marvel also introduced a whole new way of doing comics called the Marvel way. Um, prior to Marvel coming along, uh, what had happened was that a writer would write a story and then an artist would basically illustrate it. But the Marvel way was a little bit different. In the Marvel way of doing things, the writer would come up with an outline of the story. The artist would then draw the story and then the writer would go back and fill in the dialogue. And so it made the artist uh, a much more integral part of the creative process than they had been before. And obviously it was very successful for them. And basically from 1961 to pretty much 1980, uh, for a good 20 year period there it was really in many ways it might have been the silver age and the bronze age but in many respects it was really the marvel age uh marvel revolutionized the way comic book stories were told uh they told stories that were more mature more complex their characters were much more complicated um, than other companies and they really led to the way comic book stories are written today. Um, I mean, if, even if you look at DC, and I'm a DC guy, I love the DC characters, um, but the way DC tells stories today really uh, is owed to what Marvel was doing during the Silver and Bronze Age. Um, and of course, a very important thing, uh, Marvel actually led to the demise of the Comics Code Authority. So DC and Marvel did not get to where they are today because they had the backing of a bunch of corporate money. Marvel and DC got to where they are because they did things nobody else was doing and the customers responded by going and buying those comics. So whether you read Marvel and DC comics or not doesn't make any difference to me. I just like people to be able to acknowledge that these two companies have earned their spots. And I hope you join us next time as we continue to talk about the Silver Age and the battle between Marvel and DC. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Multiversity University. I'm your host, Larry Douglas. Now, on our last episode, I talked about the fact that Marvel and DC uh, became what we now call the big two during the Silver Age, and there was a good reason for that. Um, but of course, the Silver Age is pretty much dominated by the fight between Marvel and DC. Um, so I thought we should devote an episode to kind of a history of that fight. Now we will go back um, into uh, the 60s again, into the earlier 60s, and talk about some more things that happen in detail. But I want to kind of give an overview of the uh, battle between these two companies that took place. Now, um, of course, the Silver Age starts in 1956, and from 1956 to 1960, there really is no battle between DC and Marvel. First of all, Marvel as we know it today, doesn't really even exist. It's Atlas Comics, and Atlas Comics, as you may remember from when we talked about them in some of our Atomic Age episodes, um, was really struggling during this time. Uh, in fact, at one point, uh, Martin Goodman was actually thinking about closing the company down until Jack Kirby came back, and uh, the work that he and Stan Lee were doing together kind of stabilized things for them. 
Um, and of course, even before the uh, even before the Silver Age, there really wasn't a battle between Marvel and DC. Um, Timely, as I'd mentioned before, was uh, kind of in the middle in terms of comic book sales. So they d- did not have nearly the sales that DC did. Yes, they did have Captain America, who was almost as popular um, in terms of sales as uh, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, but not quite. Um, and uh, and that was really the only character they had that sold those kind of numbers. Um, the other characters, although they did okay, uh, weren't the big million issue a month sellers like Captain America and some of those others I mentioned were. Um, and of course, uh, during the Atomic Age, again, Atlas was kind of struggling and uh, DC was you know, doing relatively well compared to a lot of the other companies. Uh, so, uh, and of course, one of the things that prevented there from being a battle between the two companies is the fact that, um, that, Mar- that Atlas Comics uh, did not think that the superheroes were going to last when DC first began introducing them. The executives at Atlas, including Stan Lee, thought that the superheroes were just a fad that would fade very quickly like they had during the Golden Age. And it took five years uh, before Atlas decided that maybe that wasn't going to happen and they should get into the superhero business themselves. Now, the other thing that... Um, made it so that there wasn't much of a battle between the two. You might remember that Atlas Comics had lost their distributor, um, mainly because their distributor was shut down by the Justice Department for uh, violating United States law so uh, and engaging in fraudulent business practices. So um, what Atlas ended up having to do was to sign a contract with Independent News to distribute their comics. Problem is, Independent News was owned by DC. And as a result, the contract that Atlas signed with Independent News said that they could only publish eight titles a month. Now, of course, in 1961, uh, Marvel Comics, now called Marvel Comics, um, introduces Fantastic Four and is successful with that. Uh, Then in 1962, as we talked about a couple of episodes ago, they introduced Spider-Man as well as the Hulk and Thor. And uh, and Spider-Man is, of course, very successful, but they're still not uh, quite competing with DC yet. But in 1963, when they bring in the Avengers and the X-Men and uh, some of the and Iron Man and some of the other characters that they introduced at that time, the battle between the two was really on. But it was very much a David and Goliath type battle, um, except for the fact that it was like David was fighting with one hand tied behind his back uh, because they still had that contract with independent news that said you can only release eight titles a month. This is one of the reasons why, for a long time, Marvel did not put out as many titles named after particular characters. This is probably why Iron Man did not get his own comic for a while and continue to be in an anthology series, because that way they could um, have comics that uh, that had stories about more than one of their characters. It's, pro- it's why Thor, uh, Thor's comic remained Journey into Mystery for so long, for the same reason. They needed to keep these anthology titles in order to have the number of characters that they wanted. 
Now, between 1964 and 1967, though, what was happening is that um, Marvel was really gaining in popularity, especially among um, older readers, primarily college students. And Marvel was continuing to creep up on DC. Um, And what was DC doing during this time? Well, pretty much ignoring it uh, because they didn't think that Marvel was ever going to reach uh, DC's level of sales. And um, after all, DC had things going on like in 1966, the Batman TV show. Uh, So uh, DC was having had a very different idea about how um, about how things should be going. And they did not realize that there was a growing audience for these uh, more mature, more complicated stories. And then in 1967, something happened that finally got DC out of its slumber. Marvel, for the first time, actually surpassed DC in sales. And that was with them only having eight titles able to come out that month. DC had a lot more than that. So at that point, DC said, hey, wait a second, we've got to do something about this. And um, and DC began attempting to in a way, copy Marvel uh, by beginning to come up with uh, with more mature themes in their stories. The problem is it was too late. Uh, the readers had, especially the older readers, uh, were really into Marvel and uh, were really loyal to that company. And um, in 1968, given the fact that uh, that Marvel had reached such a, a high volume of sales in 1967, Martin Goodman was actually able to go to independent news and negotiate a better deal, um, a deal which allowed Marvel to release as many titles as they wanted. Now, you might ask, why was it that a company owned by DC would be willing to do that? I mean, it seems like they would want DC to keep that advantage. Well, The thing is that during the Silver Age, DC was actually bought by a company called the Kinney Parking Company. And the Kinney Parking Company, uh, which owned a lot of parking lots, um, ended up buying up a lot of entertainment companies and putting all the entertainment companies into one corporate model, which it was called Warner Communications. And so that was how DC and Warner became connected. Um, And... In that corporate reshuffling, independent news became not a subsidiary of DC, but became the parent company of DC. And so they were more interested in making as much money and distributing as many comics as they could. So when Marvel came and said, hey, we're selling a lot more comics, we want to release more titles, independent news was more than happy to say, if we're going to make more money doing that, then we'll go ahead and do that. Of course, the following year, Marvel ended up signing a contract with a different company, and so maybe they didn't work out so well for them. Now, that 1967 peak of sales by Marvel was was not permanent. The next month after that, DC went back to being the biggest selling company. But Marvel still continued to make gains uh, from 1969 up to 1972. And then in 1972, Marvel surpassed DC in sales and at that point never looked back. Uh, Marvel from 1972 on basically until today uh, would be the biggest selling comic company. And during the Bronze Age, uh, what would end up happening is that Marvel would end up becoming the dominant company and DC would be the one trying to catch up. But we'll talk about that more 
uh, when we get to the Bronze Age. So thank you very much for listening, and I hope you will be with us next time as we go back to 1964 and talk about the reintroduction of Captain America. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Multiversity University. Uh, this is Larry. Tonight, we're going to be continuing with our talk about the Silver Age. We've gone up to 1963, and now we're going to talk about one of the most important events of 1964 in comic books, and that is the return, or you might call it the revival or resurrection of Captain America. Now, of course, Captain America had been around for a while. He was created in 1941 by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, was extremely popular during the Golden Age. Uh, he was up there with characters such as Superman, Batman, Captain Marvel, and Wonder Woman in terms of his popularity and his sales. And... Uh, but unfortunately, after 1945, he didn't fare nearly as well as Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman did, for example. And his sales began to slump, and by 1950, Captain America had been canceled. Now, Atlas Comics did attempt to revive Captain America, uh, along with the Human Torch and the Submariner, in 1953 and 1954. Uh, he did appear in 12 different comic book issues of various titles, but again, didn't really sell that well, and so his revival was, was not successful, and uh, he was once again uh, left in the dust of history. Now, you wouldn't think that Marvel would be interested in bringing Captain America back because uh, up until this point, what they had mainly done is created new characters. DC had started off the Silver Age by bringing back their Golden Age characters in new and somewhat different guises, uh, but Marvel had been creating brand new characters. Uh, now, they had brought back uh, Namor, the Submariner, but... He was more of a supporting character at this point, uh, hadn't really uh, made inroads as being a feature character. Uh, but Captain America uh, was one that Stan Lee decided he, he really wanted to try to bring back. He thought that Cap could sell possibly as well as he had done during the Golden Age. So what happened is that um, they decided to do something which other companies had done. We talked about this, that DC had done this with some characters. They decided to write a story that was kind of a tryout story for Captain America to see if there was interest in bringing him back. And so in Strange Tales number 114, uh, which came out actually in November of 1963, there was a story that was actually a human torch story. And in this story, uh, Johnny Storm was going to do an exhibition performance with Captain America. And in this comic, Captain America was described as a superhero from World War II and the 1950s who had now retired. However, in the story, it turned out that Captain America was actually an imposter. He was actually a villain known as the Acrobat who had broken two thieves out of jail and he had arranged with these thieves for them to rob a local bank while he was performing as Captain America to get the cops to come to that performance and not pay attention to the fact that this bank was being robbed. So this was the tryout story for Captain America and we know that it was a tryout for Captain America because on the very last panel of that story, uh, Lee and Kirby actually put in a message that 
to the readers that said that this was a tryout for Captain America to see if people were interested in bringing Cap back. And the reception was very enthusiastic from the readers. And so Lee and Kirby decided that they would, in fact, bring Captain America back. Now, this has actually caused some people to come to the conclusion that Strange Tales number 114 is the one that should be considered the first Silver Age appearance of Captain America. But that, of course, is really wrong. Uh, I know it's not right, perhaps, to say that somebody's opinion is wrong, but this one is because Marvel itself said that this was a tryout story for Captain America to see if there was interest. And the character that was supposedly Captain America wasn't Captain America at all. And if we're going to call this the first issue of Captain America in the Silver Age, then we have to go back to all those other tryout characters, like when DC tried out a Supergirl-type character and called those the first appearance of those characters as well. But for some reason, we don't. So, um, so Strange Tales number 114 goes down as a tryout for Captain America. Now, Captain America actually gets brought back in Avengers number four, which came out in March of 1964. And in that story, that's where we get the story about how Captain America was flying an experimental uh, drone for the Air Force and ends up falling out, uh, being frozen in a block of ice and essentially going into suspended animation. So when he is revived, he is essentially a character who's sort of uh, out of time. He, the last thing he remembers is the 1940s. Now he's 20 years later in the 1960s. And that's what the early stories about Cap focused on, him trying to adjust to this new world that he was now living in. Um, he appeared in various comics for a while, uh, but um, in... October of 1964, he began appearing in Tales of Suspense. Now, Tales of Suspense was the comic that Iron Man was in, and so for a while, Tales of Suspense was a comic book that had two feature stories rather than a feature and a backup. Um, they had a full-length Iron Man story in the comic and also a full-length Captain America story. Now, um, this went on uh, for quite a while until finally um, after uh, with after issue number 99 they decided to rename tales of suspense captain america and make captain america the featured character in the comic so tales of suspense number 100 became captain america number 100 and became the first issue of captain america in the silver age of course, one of the things that Marvel did with Captain America during the Silver Age is that they made the character more complex than he'd been during the Golden Age. Uh, Golden Age stories were pretty simple for the most part, but in the Silver Age, Captain America became this character who was haunted by past memories, trying to fit into a society that he really wasn't comfortable with, and, uh, and so uh, became this character that was more in keeping with what Marvel was doing with their other characters as well, had a lot of personal issues that he had to deal with. But nonetheless, they brought him back successfully as really one of only two characters that Marvel actually revived.
survived from the Golden Age. And of course, Captain America really became one of Marvel's most popular characters, much as he had been during the Golden Age. Uh, maybe he didn't surpass Spider-Man in terms of popularity, but he did come really, really close. Uh, so Stan Lee had a great idea bringing Captain America back as he has been one of Marvel's most popular characters ever since that time, not just in the comic books, but in the movies as well. So I hope you join us next time as we begin to talk about uh, not just what DC and Marvel were doing, but what was going on with some of the other comic book companies of the Silver Age. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Multiversity University. This is Larry. Now, tonight, we're going to talk about other companies of the Silver Age. Now, the Silver Age, as we've mentioned before, was when DC and Marvel became the big two. And really, they did this at the expense of a lot of the other companies. I mean, during the Platinum Age, during the Golden Age, during the Atomic Age, there were a lot of companies that were you know, vying for market share. Uh, and uh, although DC was sort of the, the big the 800-pound gorilla, as they say, in the room, starting from about 1938 on. Um, as Marvel began to gain market share, uh, it really began to squeeze out the other companies. And so comics became associated, in most people's minds, with DC and Marvel and maybe didn't think too much about the other companies. But that doesn't mean there weren't other companies around who were doing their own thing with comic books, and that's who we want to talk about tonight. Now, one of the companies that was around and had been around since, well, really, I was going to say the Golden Age, but really since the Platinum Age was Dell. And Dell was still publishing comics during the Silver Age. Now, during the early part of the Silver Age, up through 1962, uh, Dell's big thing was publishing Disney comics. Uh, but after 1962, those comics actually went to another company, Gold Key, but that didn't mean that Dell stopped publishing. What Dell began doing at that point was they began doing comics uh, for licensed TV series. So, for example, they had a Twilight Zone comic and some other comic books as well. So that was the direction that Dell went in during the Silver Age. Now, I mentioned Gold Key. Uh, Gold Key was a company that was founded in 1962, but they were actually an offshoot of a company called Western Publishing. Now, Western Publishing was um, not exactly a division of Dell. They were their own company, but Western Publishing's comics were distributed by Dell. And so they were a little bit under Dell's thumb, and Western decided that they wanted to have their own independent company, one that was completely separate from Dell. And so they went ahead and started Gold Key. Now, Gold Key, as I mentioned, did publish some of the Disney stuff. Um, they also began publishing comic books that were based on Warner Brothers cartoon characters. So, for example, they had Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck comic books at that time. And they also did comic books that were based on comic strips. Now, uh, Gold Key as well, did get into superheroes in a small way. Um, they really couldn't compete with DC and Marvel, but they did come up with a character that uh, people have tried to revive at various times since then, a character called Dr. Solar Man of the Atom. And in fact, there actually has been attempts to revive Dr. Solar uh, even within the past year. Now, one of the more interesting 
companies of the Silver Age was a company called Harvey Comics. Um, Harvey Comics had been around during the Atomic Age, and the thing that's interesting about Harvey is that during the Atomic Age, they really specialized in horror comics. But when the Comics Code Authority came along and really, in many respects, killed off horror comics, Harvey realized that to survive, they needed to come up with a different plan. And so they switched from horror comics to marketing to basically elementary age children. Essentially, they were going for the 6 to 11-year-old audience. So that was uh, quite a major change for that company. And so they went from publishing horror comics to publishing such comics as Richie Rich and Casper the Friendly Ghost. Although I suppose you could argue that Casper was a nod to their horror origins. Uh, but uh, that was a major change for that company. And uh, But they did manage to hang on for quite a while uh, by publishing those types of comics. It's just kind of fun to see uh, how they changed so drastically, so much more than any other company. Now, a company that, of course, had been around since the Golden Age and continued to publish during the Silver Age was Archie Comics. And um, at, in the beginning of the Silver Age, Archie Comics continued pretty much as they had been. But then in 1966, uh, something happened that was actually a TV show but had a major effect on the comic book world, and that was, of course, the 1966 Batman TV series. And, uh, of course, the, the Adam West Batman series is known for being uh, very campy. And so Archie decided to try to cash in on that. And uh, they came up with their own superheroes. Basically, the teenagers of Riverdale ended up developing superpowers and becoming superheroes. Um, Archie became Captain Pureheart. Uh, Jughead became Captain Hero and so on. Um, however, despite the fact that they gained superpowers, they didn't really try to compete with DC and Marvel. They still made these comedic titles. Uh, so uh, they weren't meant to be taken seriously. They were really meant for a, uh, a very different audience. Now, Archie, though, did try to uh, come up with more standard superheroes. Um, they came up with a line called the Archie Adventure Line. And uh, there they had superheroes such as the Fly, the Jaguar, and they tried bringing back the Shield from the Golden Age as well. However, even though these were a little bit more standard superhero comics, they were still somewhat campy. Not quite as overtly comedic, perhaps, as the regular Archie line, but uh, still not meant to be taken quite as seriously as, say, DC and Marvel wanted their heroes to be taken. More interesting companies of that time period uh, of the Silver Age was Charlton Comics. Now, Charlton Comics had started in 1944 as Two Charles Comics. It was started by a man named John Santangelo and another man named Ed Levy. So if it was started by John Santangelo and Ed Levy, why was it called Two Charles? Well, turns out that Santangelo and Levy actually met each other in prison and became friends there. Uh, they were in prison for uh, Santangelo himself for actually violating copyright laws. He'd been putting out um, unauthorized versions of comic book characters uh, on the side. And when they met in prison and became friends, they found out that they both had sons named Charles. So they got out of prison and started this company called Two Charles Company, which in 1945 became Charlton. 
Now, Charlton mainly published uh, horror comics and uh, other types of comics, uh, horror being one of their main types. And interestingly, their uh, main horror writer was a man named Steve Ditko, who would, of course, end up going on to Marvel and helping to create, along with Stanley and Jack Kirby, the Marvel Universe, before finally in the late 60s returning to Charlton and um, ending up uh, working with Charlton full-time until the company finally closed its doors in 1991. But one of the interesting things about Charlton is that they did create some superhero characters, even though they were a small part of their company. Um, they created some superhero characters that we're familiar with today, such as Captain Adam, The Question, and Blue Beetle. And, of course, we know those because in 1983, DC actually bought the rights to those properties. And what a lot of people don't realize is that the Watchmen were originally supposed to be those characters that DC bought from Charlton. But DC changed his mind and decided that they wanted to incorporate those characters into their main continuity. So what Alan Moore ended up doing was creating characters that were loosely based on the Charlton characters for the Watchmen. So as a result, uh, Dr. Manhattan is actually a, is loosely based on Captain Adam and Night Owl was based on Blue Beetle and so on. Uh, Rorschach based on the question and uh, all the rest of them based on Charlton characters as well. So that's kind of the, the secret history of the Watchmen. So when you're reading the Watchmen, just remember that it actually kind of had its genesis with these uh, Silver Age Charlton characters. So those were what some of the other companies were doing during the Silver Age, the ones that had a much smaller share of the audience, um, but still they had their own niches. So I hope you join us next time as we talk about another niche group, and that is the people who were reading the underground comics.